Welcome in, everybody, to Hoopsville on a Monday evening. It's February 21st. I am Dave McHugh coming to you from the NABC studios, presented by D3Hoops.com. It is the final week of the regular season. We are live on Hoopsville. If you want to interact with us, lots of ways you can do so. You can, of course, check out the um, the uh, info on the bottom of your screen where you can find us on Twitter. You can also find us on Facebook where we're live streaming the show. You can find us on YouTube, which is not on the screen there, but it's youtube.com slash Hoopsville. We're live simulcasting the show as well. Lots of ways to follow us. This is where you want to be the rest of this week uh, into next week as we have lots to talk about in Division Three basketball. New top 25 is not out yet, though I have been told by a little birdie on the women's side. The only difference uh, is that uh, Catholics into the top 25 in replacing of Ithaca. So that's the only significant move on the women's side. Uh, Catholic, I'm sorry, Ithaca's in for Catholic. I got that backwards. Catholic was 23rd uh, in the last top 25, and they lost back-to-back games to Elizabethtown and Scranton uh, last week. So they're out of top 25. Ithaca is in. Men's side, no birdies have told me anything. No gleaning information to tell you about, but we'll get that soon, I am sure, because later in the program, we'll be joined by Pat Coleman to talk about things. So we'll hear from Pat on all of that. Um, let's see here. Let's quickly remember some things. Uh, well, that's right. Last week of the regular season, lots to talk about as conference tournaments are underway. If you have not checked out the uh, conference tracker on our website, d3hoops.com, well, you should. It is there. It is available. And it is inf- it's good information. Let's just say it that way. A good way to track what's going on throughout uh, the the week of what's going on, et cetera, et cetera. And a reminder, we got a lot to play for because regional rankings will get our last taste of those before the season comes to a close Tuesday on the men's side, Wednesday on the women's side, we'll get a last chance to understand where do people sit? I do not believe unless something has changed, uh, though I have not talked to the committee chairs. I do not believe we will get a, uh, a, excuse me, as I lost a little bit of some of the stuff that works on my microphone here. I do not believe we will be getting um, the top 16 again. I believe we're done with that. Um, but nonetheless, lots of good stuff coming up. And uh, the the regional rankings, when they come out, of course, will have plenty of information we're going to be wanting to follow anyway. So uh, we can read between the lines. Um, so that's so tonight we're on the air. Tuesday, you got regional rankings on the men's side. Wednesday, you got regional rankings on the women's side. Thursday, we'll be back on the air. With our with another show at starting at seven o'clock, then we have the, obviously the 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 big finish in the weekend with all the conference tournaments. Sunday will be on the air again. We're debating which time we'll set it soon. We have started traditionally at six. Maybe we bump that up to five. Right now it looks like we will start with women's mock selections followed by men. We have tended to alternate in the past, and I think that's going to make the most sense uh, this year as well. So we'll do more mock selections. We're still putting our panels together on all of that and how we'll do it, but stay tuned with us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, et cetera. We'll give you a heads up on that. Monday, the uh, week from today, the 28th of February, the brackets will be announced. I'm proud to say I'll be part of that broadcast once again with my friend uh, and fellow Division Three graduate, Brendan Gulick. Uh, he'll be in Indy. They do not fly me to Indy. <laughs> they do not send me to headquarters for that. I will be doing it from the studios here. And we will have, uh, I, I don't remember the timing, but I want to say women at 1230, men at 2.30. That's traditionally how it's been in the past. Then 7 o'clock next Monday night, we'll have our first reactions to that and talk to committee chairs and all of that. 
And then we head into the tournament. So the next week, best week of the season is here. And I want to thank the 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 moniker of best week of the season, Delaney Reich, uh, sports information director, associate uh, athletics director. I believe I might be giving him titles he doesn't have, or maybe I'm forgetting titles I should be mentioning at Mount Union. Announced today, he is going into the Cosida Hall of Fame. That's the College Sports Information Directors of America uh, and Canada Hall of Fame. So congratulations to Lenny on that um, bit of news. But he was the one who gave me the moniker, best week of the season. And he's right. It is the best week of the season. This is where it's all about. Conference tournaments, plenty to play for. Bubble teams on the bubble. Bubble teams coming off the bubble. Bubble teams going on the bubble. Um Etc. It's going to be fun, and I and I hope you'll uh, join along. Let's talk about guests who will be on the show today. In order of appearance, subject to change, we will talk to Heather Macy, head coach at Greensboro Women's Basketball. Uh, they are just one loss on the entire season. We'll talk to her about her program. I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about the lack of top 25 attention as well for the the Pride. Then we'll talk to Glenn Miller, St. Joseph's Connecticut men's basketball coach. They're coming off their first and only loss of the season. The last undefeated team on the men's side fell as they had a heck of a game against Yeshiva at Yeshiva. We'll talk to Glenn Miller about um, taking over fully for Jim Calhoun. Uh, we'll talk about going this long undefeated, talk about the GNAC, talk about the game against Yeshiva, etc. Pat Coleman will join us from D3Hoops.com. Kind of give us a taste of, uh, or give you a taste, give you a primer, whatever you want of the week ahead where you can find questions that need to be answered and all that stuff. Pat Coleman will have all of our information. Then we'll head and talk more men's basketball with Rowan men's basketball coach, Joe Crispin. He'll join us to talk about the NJAC and Rowan's spectacular season. And then we'll head out to region eight, St. Norbert women's basketball coach, Amanda uh, Leonard Perry will join us. They knocked off Wisconsin Lutheran yet another women's team that is no longer undefeated. We're down to three in that category, including Webster, by the way, still undefeated. So that's your your list. Greensboro, St. Joseph's, Rowan, and St. Norbert are our teams uh, we'll be talking to. And again, uh, Greensboro represents Region 6. Uh, uh, St. Joseph, re uh, Regions 1 and 2 combined. Uh, Rowan is Region 4, St. Norbert, Region 8. Again, even numbers on Mondays, odd numbers on Thursdays, though admittedly, by Thursday we may be just throwing in all kinds of different segments and different guests just to, to keep up with it all. Um, I'll be interested to see what the men's top 25 is. We don't have a reactionary show tonight, mainly because I had enough going on this weekend and I really wanted to get Pat on the show to give his take on just everything. And so we'll get, maybe get his reactions from that. Um, but no reactionary show tonight. Maybe we'll get one tomorrow head, or next week going into the top 25 or we'll figure it out. Um, but of course, most of the guys that we have on the show are also commenting on Twitter, though I have not been on Twitter today. It's been a crazy weekend. Uh, if anybody follows my public address announcing life, I added yet another sport to that tally, did acrobatics and tumbling. I was back uh, at my old haunts at Stevenson University uh, running production while also PA announcing other sports. So that was busy. Uh, kids had basketball games galore. My daughter, interestingly enough, we have St. Joseph's on the show. She and her team won the St. Joseph's tournament. No, not in Connecticut. They happen to go to a school named St. Joseph's. Same colors as the Connecticut team different mascot. Um, so SJC, as we call it, because it's St. Joseph's Cockeysville. And I've got St. Joseph's Connecticut SJC on the show. At least that's how I'm abbreviating it tonight. Um, but a crazy weekend. So it was a little hard to get today's show kind of put together. You can ask the guests sending out emails on Sunday when I like to do that on Friday or Saturday. But uh, we're getting along. If you've got questions for us, again, you can email us, hoopsville at d3sports.com. You can tweet us at d 3 uh, Hoopsville. You can also use the hashtag Hoopsville 
Lots of ways to get a hold of us, and we hope you'll take advantage of them if you do have questions. If you happen to be on the YouTube live stream, there is a chat room there. I see Sean Pierce has jumped in. Do you know why the top 25 on the men's side not out yet? Uh, two reasons, I believe. I don't know the exact reason, Sean. One, uh, I do know Pat's been tied up with some things uh, today, and I'm hope I think he's trying to get it out the door as fast as he can. But he also might be delayed with some voters who may not have gotten it done. This is one of those wonky weeks where some of our uh, voters, whether they be coaches or media rep or uh, SIDs, for example, get a little tied up and tied down with things, and sometimes Monday's a little delayed. I know on the women's side, it's a little bit delayed, um, even though we have kind of the information because, again, Gordon Mann is tied up. He's actually calling a basketball game. Uh, he had an interesting note. He said, Delaware Valley has a woman named uh, Lauren Moretti, a fifth-year senior appearing in her 105th game in her first postseason game today. And unfortunately, she got hurt out of the gate. But Gordon, that's where Gordon is. But we'll get those top 25s out during the show. I assure you, they'll be there. Oh, I just realized we have a horrible placement in our uh, logo. It is We have a, a glass logo on YouTube that covers up all the good info that we're trying to tell you on where to uh, join us on the show. So let me let me move it here. Give me a moment. I am uh, making an adjustment on air here uh, of where we're placing that little uh, informational thing. And now we'll uh, there shift it right on over. So Sean Bear with us. We will get out that top 25. I assure you it'll be out here uh, very soon. Uh, and and we'll certainly know when it when it releases because we'll get a heads up. Oh, actually, the men's top 25 is out. Men's top 25 is out. No surprise, Randolph making number one. One through four uh, did not move. I have the right week. Yep, one through four did not move. Illinois Wesleyan moves up from sixth to fifth. I'm just double-checking that's accurate. Is that accurate? I think that's accurate. Yeah, no, it's accurate. I'm pretty confident in that. Um, let's see here. Uh, Platteville moves from eighth up to sixth. Mary Harden Baylor goes from ninth to seventh. Mount Union goes from tenth to eighth. Uh, Wisconsin lacrosse falls from seventh to ninth. Wheaton moves up one spot. Wesleyan has moved up two. St. Joe's Connecticut fell seven spots. Uh, Johns Hopkins fell a spot. WPI, uh, moved up two. Emory moved up three. Wabash moved up four. Oswego moved up two. Swarthmore moved up three. Elmers fell four. Yeshiva moved up four. Williams slid a spot. Maryville fell eight down to 22. Barry stayed new, uh, where they were at 23. Mass Dartmouth is back in the top 25 at 24. Stockton's back in the top 25 at 25. And Washu and Case Western, who both lost both set of games this week. Both of them got swept out of the weekend. They are both out of the top 25. St. John's is the one closest to getting in. Two votes behind Stockton in the 26th spot. That's not a real spot, but there you go. So, Sean, top 25's out there, buddy. Good thing you asked, right? <laughs> All right, we're going to take a break here in a moment. Again, if you got questions for us, let us go. Mock selections, Phil Nagley getting all uh, uh, pumped up for that. Yeah, they're fun. They're also tiring. And uh, right now, the men's panel is going to be awesome. I'm working on the women's panel. I'll be flat out honest. I wish it could be better, but we're going to work on it. Scott Peterson's already agreed to be on the women's panel. Looking forward to having his take on things here coming up. Speaking of injuries, our thoughts are with uh, Claire. Let's see. Hold on. Um, Mount St. Vincent women's basketball. They had a game over the uh, last week late. Uh, I don't remember the timing. Uh, against another opponent, one of their players fell during a rebound, I believe, with about six minutes left to go in the contest. Long story short, uh, they stopped the game, called it at that point. The, the uh, student athlete had to be taken to the hospital 
We are told she is fine. She has, sounds like she did a, a little bit of a damage to some ligaments in her neck. Uh, she's going to have to wear a neck brace. I told maybe she even showed up to Saturday's game. Um, but scary moment for them, but glad to see some good news out of all of that. Also, um, hats off to Oglethorpe women's basketball coach Alex Ritchie. Uh, his family had shown up to Birmingham Southern for the game to surprise him. And unfortunately he had a, a, he tweeted about this, um, on Twitter, his, uh, his two-year-old had uh, a seizure essentially in the stands. One of the injured players for his team noticed and alerted him. He obviously left. This was the middle of the third quarter. He obviously left. Things are good. Things are good. They're fine. I've talked to Alex recently. Our thoughts are with them, but I mean, talk about, just crazy timing uh, that time of year. Oglethorpe, a team that we really expected a lot of out of this year, and they've just been battling injuries, but that's nothing when it comes to family, and so we wish Alex and his family nothing but the very best. Uh, David Kaplan says, Heather will be good, and I am, again, glad to hear that. Heather is the one we were talking about from um, Mount St. Vincent. Uh, so, yeah, we know Heather will be good, and we're glad she'll be good, but a scary moment nonetheless. Um, certainly makes you... Uh, Consider everything that's going on. All right, we're going to take a break. Running a little bit behind. We cannot do that coming out of the first block. But here we are. Uh, we are going to talk Greensboro women's basketball, USA South, which, of course, was news last week with a split. We'll talk about that with Heather Macy coming up. They are 24-1, and 17-1 in in uh, conference play. Of course, we'll talk to them about the fact that there's three games on that schedule that isn't doing them any good. We'll talk about all of that coming up. Now listen to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the NABC studios. If you've got questions for us, you know how to get a hold of us. We'll look forward to hearing from you. Back with more after this. NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division III. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. We've got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division II, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.D3Hoops.com. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. 
being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle. And, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am. There we go. Oh, we're back. Sorry about that, folks. Every once in a while, I miss punch on the system. I, someday, we're going to afford a producer and, and a director, and I'm just going to sit back and enjoy the show like Dan Patrick does. Someday. Speaking of Dan Patrick, we put a tweet out last week about whether people would buy t-shirts that we maybe got specially made, like Glean or whatever the show-related stuff was. And most of you, we got about 100 votes, said that they would do it. And we got a couple companies that reached out to us. So we're going to get back to those companies and see if maybe we can get going on something like that. We might be a good fundraiser for the program to try and ra raise uh, revenue, as it were. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can email us, hoopsville at d3sports.com. You can join us on Facebook, where we're live simulcasting the show, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. And you can also join us on YouTube, youtube.com slash Hoopsville, where we're, again, live simulcasting the show. Thanks to our partners at Blue Frame Technology and their Team One Sports app would do all the heavy lifting for us. It's an absolute dream to have them on board, and we appreciate all their assistance, as always. We'll try and give them a little bit more love as we get a little further down the road. All right, talking about guests, let's jump into it because we got lots to talk about tonight. Down in the USA South, which obviously we were talking about last week because they have announced that they are officially, finally, splitting and reorganizing the biggest conference in Division Three, i.e. they couldn't get the Mac uh, grandfather clause, which we knew for many years. It apparently was in the works for many years, as we talked about last year, uh, but or last show, but obviously finally came together. Uh, one who will not be leaving the USA South is Greensboro. They'll stay in the USA South, and the women's program is probably pretty happy about that. 17-1 in conference play, playing pretty well. Only one loss overall right now, and uh, looking pretty good, especially for uh, maybe getting in no matter how they need to get in. And joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline to talk all about it is their head coach. It is, and graduate, we should point out, Heather Macy. Coach, thanks for taking the time. Really appreciate it. Uh, nice backdrop in the house, by the way. Love it. I might need to steal that idea. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. Glad to be on. And I've already, I've already said I'm in the house. I've got a lot happening, but we'll do our best here going live. But you may get to, um, to meet my best bud, Ripley Rose, before this is all said and done. Hey, listen, if, if, we, ha if we get the fans of you or the or fans of the show inter inter interluding themselves, I'm all for it. Just makes it more fun that way. Hey, again, 24-1 overall, 17-1 in conference action, uh, really in what is essentially your first season um, fully, and we'll talk about that in a bit. you got to be pretty pleased with how the programs responded because, I mean, this is a team we knew had a lot of talent, but after COVID, you just don't know. Yeah, you know, for me, this was coming home and, and getting back here last October. Really, my start was October 1st, and – we went through what I'm calling an exhibition season a year ago. And we, uh, we brought in 10 new players at the mid-semester break. And there was just a, a lot of roster modification that we went through. And, and I was unsure of the matriculation process and, and, and really unsure of um, what is Division three hoops now. I mean, you yeah. know, that, that I don't want to date myself, but it's been 25 years since I played at GC and, uh, a lot has changed and a lot has stayed the same, but very grateful, very thankful to be back um, and just having an absolute blast. Yeah, I can I can see. The other thing, too, is not only did do you have to understand what you know Greensboro is now, the USA South is now, what D3 is now, but you've been out of D3 in the sense of coaching in other divisions that are 
as we all know, very different. Each division has its own uniqueness, for lack of a better description. And so, yeah, you're trying to get all on board. And oh, by the way, there's a pandemic. You know, <laughs> by the way, we've shut things down. You're not even, you're barely playing, as you said, an exhibition at best. You don't even get to know what the full throat of everything is going to be like. What's What was the transition like? How much is maybe similar to what you expected and how much or what did you get surprised by? Well, well, it's tough. I mean, obviously we're navigating COVID and if I never hear that word again, it wouldn't hurt my feelings one bit, <laughs> but then what we're also, you know, figuring out too is, you know, we lost a great coach here in yeah. Randy Tuggle. And so being able to handle uh, the adversity of that situation and, and, and a lot of roster management and a lot of, situations there that transpired and a lot of broken hearts that was very difficult uh, for the program and also for the community. Then you start getting into what do you do when you don't have a preseason? What do you do when there's not a postseason? That was really uncharted water for me uh, from a fitness perspective and figuring out how do you best manage your time that you then have with them, you know, starting in October. And then you know, you add, we got COVID pause. We practiced five times. And back then, you know, we were out for, it was like 14 days still. I mean, it was a lot of things yeah. happening. So we, we started the season really, really rocky, but mostly because we hadn't practiced. Yeah. So we, we ended last season uh, winning you know, five of our last seven. And then as we got kind of through that whole process, a lot of first year kids got some great experience and the va the value of that has right now paid dividends um, for us in the USA South, because now we went from having no idea about teams or no idea, you know, you get a new coach and a bunch of brand new players. We've never been in some of these gyms and the travel and et cetera, et cetera. It's made such a big deal for some of those returners to share with our newcomers. Hey, this is what you can expect. And, uh, I think that has just made a, a really, really big difference in our experience factor happening much, much more quickly. Yeah, you you had to take over for Randy Tuggle. If 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 I do the math right, he was not coach when you were there, correct? No, no, no. Right. Uh, I played for Johnson. Yeah, that's been a lot. Do the math. You know, it'd been much better if I'd played for one of the Tuggles. <laughs> then you would have really been. Of flattering me on this show, but no, uh, I played for Steve Johnson and right. I'm going to tell you that I had such a great experience at Greensboro college and the tradition and us watching like all the alums and how they've supported this and come back. And the fan base has been incredible. I mean, we have really packed Tang's gym, got a little momentum going here and got some excitement happening. Uh, by the way, you and I went to college at the same time, roughly. So don't worry. Uh, we're both dating ourselves to some degree. Uh, how hard was it? And I don't want to lean on the Tuggle story too hard, but Randy was a friend of ours. We, we talked to him on this show about his struggles. Obviously, we were saddened by his loss, but you're taking over not only your alma mater and coming back to Division Three. you're taking over a program that really has gone through the rigors there. Whether you've got everybody back or not, there's some there who've been through that, and that's really part of the foundation now. I know they all want to play for Randy and play well, but how hard is it to lift people up when on top of that – I know you hate the word, so we'll avoid it. But 19 was rolling through. Um, it just it felt like a one-two punch that I'm impressed, to be honest. You're having such a great season out of it because this could just be one of those. Coach, I got six other thoughts on my head right now. Well, a lot of what we do around here is on the mindset piece. And so being able to handle adversity you know, is part of sport. It's part, it's part of the reason I love coaching. 
because you're able to take adversity from a, an athletic perspective. Sure. And then five and 10 years later on, they're able to take the things they learned during this time period. To impact them. There we go. To impact them later on. Yes. At least once I was hoping for it. So <laughs> is that the lessons they're learning here at GC are forever lessons. Uh, and the one that we've really dealt with during my tenure so far has been the adversity piece. So the success that we're having, man, does it feel good? Are we have we are having a lot of fun every single day. Yeah, let's talk about the team a little bit here. Again, twenty-four and one overall, seventeen and one in conference play. You're you're leading. Well, you got four players in double figures. Uh, granted, uh, one of them's only played. Oh, no, no. They're all played all games. I apologize. Looked at the wrong column there. Uh, Lauren Livingston leaving the way, 17 points a, a game. You've got 15 and a half from, I'm going to probably screw this up, so I apologize in advance. Uh, Takara Leggetti? Okay. No, it's Leggett. Yeah. But I'm going to make it easy for you, Dave. She goes by 2-3. It's oh. kind of like Prince or Madonna or something. Great. We're just going to go 2-3. And, and awesome. ironically, guess what jersey number she wears? 2-3. Of, of course she does. So that's that's we'll my number. So it's perfect. That is perfect. Yeah, that's so two three. So two three, fifteen and a half points a game, seven and a half rebounds a game. By the way, shouldn't point out Levingston leading the way in assists, one hundred and fifty one over twenty five games. Um, more. Uh, let's see, thirteen point seven points a game, eight point six rebounds, and then you got Mason at ten point six um, points per game. Again, that's it's that foursome there. By the way, more forty six blocks on top of that as well. So almost two blocks a game. That foursome, see, obviously is the core. You get a lot of points, you got a lot of rebounds, you got a lot of assists, you got blocks. Uh, they all shoot pretty decently, especially from deep. Uh, I mean, 54% for more from the field. It feels like that's 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 your kind of bread and butter. Well, we've got good players. And so there's there's a lot more than those four. Sure. But they they carry the load as far as the scoring. And so, and I, I, you know, I let them play free. I mean, we let it fly and we have a good time with it as far as a lot, a lot of people have asked me about all the threes we shoot. And I'm like, listen, man, let's just shoot it before we turn it over. So we have a great time out there and, and, they, and they know that and they share the ball well, like you mentioned, Lauren's in the assist. And I mean, she's a first team all conference a year ago as a true freshman, right? She's a freshman again as a COVID freshman, but you know, what, what a luxury there. And then, uh, D and two, three, bringing them in as um, transfers this year and how they've come along and, and progressed and really shown incredible amounts of leadership uh, for our group. Yeah. I mean, your team shoot are scoring 84 plus points a game and defensively only allowing 57 and a half, a little bit more than that while shooting, as you said, a lot of threes, but I mean, with the evolution of the game and statistics and analytics, that's becoming a little bit more of the norm, but you're out shooting your opponent 670 to 391. That's not the percentage. That's the totals. So I'm curious. You you talk a little bit about the offense and being free, but I also look at some staggering defensive numbers. You're you're allowing 33.6 percent shooting. You're allowing 24 percent from be from beyond the arc. You're out rebounding your opponents by four. Is this an offensive first team that plays really good defense, or is this a defensive first team that un, unleashes itself on the offense? No, we're a system program. So our offensive and defensive system all flows into one another. And so that's part of the longer the kids play in the system, the better we're going to get. So it's hard to judge how good we were going to be right now because the more they play in it, the better they get in it. So you know, if you watch us play, we're, we're spread out appropriately. I, I think that that's good offensive basketball. 
And then we get it side to side and we share it. And then defensively, you know, I think that they do a great job of committing to what we're wanting to do schematically and how we want to play defense. Because we do guard a little bit differently, but I'm real proud of them and how much better we continue to get. Uh, And to be honest with you, I think we're continuing to get better. So this past week when we were able to get even more practice in, because we've had several weeks, we've played four games a week, not been able to practice very much. So this last, we've had just about close to 10 days off because we were able to finish our season and get the bye in the tournament. So we're waiting to play the next round of the conference tournament. We, it just seems like that the team, I don't know that we've peaked yet. So my hope is that we can continue to play and continue to play uh, inside of March. When you say system in Division Three, we have a, a connotation to that. We've got the the with the old Loyola Marymount transitioned into what Redlands and then uh, Grinnell have done high scoring in your face defense. We're gonna chuck it up three. I, I've watched some of you, but I don't remember that jumping off the table. And the numbers don't necessarily say that. So you're not talking the system. You're just talking about your own system, right? That's correct. Yeah, just and and I've been asked many times, and and I'm on the speaking tour, right? And I'm on I'm on all clinics and things. And I was asked a long time ago, um, Coach, what is your system? And the easy answer is winning. That's the system. (laughs) So yeah, I know. So let's call it winning. But our, you know, we we've we've named the offense the interstate offense. All parts are interchangeable. States are the spacing on the floor, and interstate meaning we want to play fast in how we play. So if, if I want to give you a, a an answer, may, maybe as I would bring it to some clinics, that that's what that's going to look like. But in the same time, I would just tell you that this part of, part of us being old, we've also learned how to adapt. And that's what we've done. We were able to adapt what the system has been to that recruiting class. Sure. And so as the recruiting class shifted and changed and, and we saw who our big three scores are going to be, and, and who we had defensively, because I talk about, do we have willing screeners? You know, do we have your know, willing defenders? And how many of those do we have? And then, you know, we adjust things necessary uh, to be able to be really good. But what I can tell you for sure is the longer we play, the better we'll get, whether it be this season or it continues over the duration. Uh, again, let's talk about the season and just kind of looking at it on paper. You started the season off against Regent University. You played them twice this year, in fact. Also, you played Mid-Atlantic Christian uh, beginning of January, non-D3, so it's hard for us to kind of gauge them. But then you played Warren Wilson a couple times. You got Ferrum and Guilford in there. Uh, You got, obviously, into the conference play because you play a lot of conference games. Uh, A little bit of the split helping you there. How do you think the season's gone? How have things progressed? What was it about the beginning that you guys did well and, and how much have you evolved? You said you haven't peaked. I get that, but tell us a little bit about the evolution. Well, and when we designed that non-conference schedule, who would have thought recruiting would have gone so well? We got a lot of these players late, including at the, at the semester turn, we brought in two, two other ones. And so we just didn't know. And so what we knew is we had a lot of new pieces and we were going to need some uh, experience to where we could still win. And a lot of people would get to play. And a year ago, we had no non-conference games. So we had no base of that. And then we had a couple that we owed games to. So those were kind of return games from two years previously that we were needing to do. So the strength of schedule in the non-conference is not very good. But our body of work and what we did within this league and the consistency in which we have played, you know, a lot of those games weren't 10-point games. And that was something that I started to get really concerned about because we have – 
hadn't been challenged in a one possession game or a two possession game to see who was going to do what at the end. So thankfully, kind of in this last stretch of February, we had a couple really close ones. And so that was the best thing that could have ever happened to us because we were able to get that experience that we're going to need now in the tournament and hopefully uh, in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, so you you head in, as you mentioned, your last game was February 12th against Meredith. You guys haven't lost, by the way, since Southern Virginia back on December 8th. That is your only loss. You'll take on North Carolina Wesleyan coming up here tomorrow, Tuesday, depending on who's listening when, in the first round of the USA South Tournament. You guys aren't in the top 25, not getting any attention. That's just, you know, a nice old barometer. But on the regional rankings, you weren't in the last week. Doesn't mean you may not pop in there on Wednesday. But with that information, knowing that maybe your strength of schedule at the NCAA number isn't a huge number on top of the fact a couple of those games don't even pop up in terms of win-loss, are you going into this knowing that maybe you just need to win it all to assure that ticket to March? Or are you hoping that maybe there's a little bit of give just in case one of these conference mates has finally seen enough? Well, I go into all of them wanting to win it. Sure. Right? And that's all we're going to do every single day. Go in and win the next one, win the next one, win the next one. And then you take care of, of your own destiny and what happens yeah, next. Absolutely. And so, you know, I'm, I understand all of the, the numbers and the matrix and, and all of this kind of stuff. Watch us play. We're going to pass the eye test. We're a pretty daggone good basketball team. And, you know, that's, that's not me necessarily being boastful. Sure. That's legitimately me saying I work with them every single day and, we're pretty daggone good. So we don't need the little number beside our name to say that we're going to be good. We we don't need it. That's okay. You know, we'll just earn our way, create our own reputation. And, and I think that, um, you know, that's kind of who we are at the core at GC anyway, we're pretty daggone tough and, um, and and we're willing to earn it, especially in, in when, when we know for sure that um, we're primed and ready for this tournament and really looking forward to it. Cause USA South, I mean, it, it's a wild, it's a wild bracket and the way it works in East and West, you know, you're going to play, you if you play the West, you're going to play basically what seems like a non-conference. You really don't know those guys. So it, it's a huge challenge that I'm doing my best and our coaching staff is doing our best to make sure that we are as prepared as possible to give our kids the best chance of possible to win a second championship. We got that regular season one and now let's go win a tournament and then give ourselves a chance to go to the NCAA yeah. tournament and get some experience to what that's all about. And of course, next year, all of this changes. So now if you come in the door, you're getting used to division three, you had to deal with COVID and come, you know, being the coach that took the program from the passing of Tuggle, all of that, you play your first true regular season with USA South scheduling and all that. And Oh, by the way, next year, it's all going to be different again, as you have a whole different schedule. And I know you've had that in your hand for a while and getting ready for it, but it's just, there's a lot of changes I'm assuming you're looking forward to when things maybe just settle into the norm. Well, I don't know. We've become really daggone adaptable, haven't <laughs> we? So we'll just figure we'll just figure it out as we go. And I'm going to tell you, the USA South coaches have been so kind to me because I'm always asking questions that yeah. are probably obvious. And I go, "Hey, uh, what about that? Or what about this? Or or whatever?" And everybody's been really, really kind and and helped my transition go much more smoothly. Oh, that's great. No, I'm sure uh, they're they're doing that while also taking notes of, oh, wait, hold on a second. So uh, we, we know what we can take advantage of on Coach Macy. Um, hey, looking forward to uh, seeing how you play in the USA South tournament. Looking forward to seeing maybe you punch a ticket to the uh, tournament uh, in March. But obviously, 
uh, other teams would like to do the same, but we'll wish you all the luck. We have a tradition on the show. We always give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuned in? No, I just want to say how much I appreciate you, Dave, because the attention you're giving to D3 Hoops is incredible. And I'm telling you something. It's something that I was really surprised and taken back. Listen, there is great basketball here. And it's quality coaches. It's quality facilities. And it's it's every single night. It's just a dog fight. So thank you for all you do for D3 Hoops. And this has been an absolute blast. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. By the way, thanks to your uh, your your pet for uh, saying hello. I appreciate he did it once. Uh, I'm, I'm a little disappointed Tucker didn't do it for you. Well, maybe next time. Yeah, maybe next time. Hey, take care again. Enjoy the ride. And we'll look forward to talking to you down the road. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Heather Macy joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Appreciate her time. Again, 24-1 and overall, 17-1 in conference play. They got North Carolina Wesleyan coming up on Tuesday in the first round of the tournament. We'll see how that all goes for them. And, well, there's there's plenty to talk about. But that's a program. Again, Randy Tuggle, uh, rest, uh, our thoughts are with the family on his unfortunate passing. And uh, she had to take over that program then and then dealing with COVID. There's a lot going on there. Um, and looks like they're doing well. We'll see how their system evolves and, and progresses and maybe peaks at the right time for them. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll jump into some men's basketball. Head up to Connecticut. Glenn Miller will join us to talk about the St. Joseph's Blue Jays. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com. If you want to talk Division Three basketball, you've got to be watching Hoopsville. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To stop stop sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. There are over 480,000 college athletes. Only 2% would go pro. That means over 470,000 will not get a shoe contract. No autographs. No private jets. No fan clubs. No Hall of Fame inductions. Instead, they will walk away with something much more valuable. Welcome back to Hoopsville as we roll along here. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. Email us at Hoopsville at D3Sports.com. Join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Uh, I know people are are there. And by the way, Dan Kaplan said Heather will be good. Now that I think about it, I think he was talking about Heather Macy, the interview. 
um, versus the the student athlete we were talking about. So either way, he's right. Um, we're also on YouTube, youtube.com slash hoops. Well, lots of ways to get a hold of us. Please don't be uh, afraid to jump in here. Uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, Wags uh, complaining that we got our show during his playoffs. I can't control his playoffs. Maybe they should have scheduled differently in the CSAC. That's all I'm saying. Um, let's talk men's basketball. The last undefeated team in the country was St. Joseph's of Connecticut. The former Jim Calhoun-led squad uh, got all the way to the Yeshiva game this week before tripping up at Yeshiva. We can joke, maybe they shouldn't have scheduled the game, but I was thrilled that that game got played. Those two teams played during the pandemic as well. They've been pretty good games, and you knew Yeshiva had a point to make. You kind of just feel bad that the Blue Jays were on the other end of that point because that was Yeshiva's first ever win over a nationally ranked opponent. But they're still good, are the Blue Jays. They did fall from 5 to 12 in the top 25. They came out in the last hour. But they're still good because if you're in the top 25, you're a good program. Well, let's talk all about it. Joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline is the now fully head coach of St. Joseph's. It is Glenn Miller. We'll talk more about that as well. But, sir, thanks for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Dave, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You bet. Uh, First and foremost, I I know it would have been great to get to the end of the regular season undefeated. But I have a feeling you knew when you booked that game there was a good chance – that that may not come out with a win and there were bigger fish to fry than worrying about an undefeated season. Well, I tried to get the game at our place and uh, there's, there's associate AD within 30 seconds uh, talked me into going there. They had a game scheduled with Williams at their fans where it was a sellout and yeah. sellout. And so they were trying to replace that game. And uh, you know, it, it was good for us to go. There it was a great experience. And, you know, for most of this year, we played before very few fans. So, um, you know, recently we went to Albertus in our league, which is a difficult environment. So uh, getting this experience at Yeshiva was was terrific for our guys, win or lose. Yeah, I mean, that's the one thing I wanted to ask you about, because the one thing that's crazy about uh, that that environment is they are ravenous for their fans. We've seen that. Is Illinois Wesleyan seemed to relish it, seemed to 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 drive them a little bit. Did you guys were you thrown by it? Did it did it did it surprise you all? Did you enjoy it as much as everybody else seems to enjoy it? No, I enjoyed it. And they're a classy, you know, a classy program. Their players are classy, their coaching staff, their administrators uh, a <clears throat> terrific program and you know, we played them twice last year. Um, I mean, they were they were at it for much longer than we were before we played uh, those two games last year. But, uh, um, you know, we want to play against the best. Uh, we play 18 league games, and I think we've done a pretty good job of trying to schedule out a conference. We were supposed to go to Las Vegas for, um, you know, a little uh, classic, yeah. uh, which got postponed because of COVID, but we were supposed to play Marietta and, and Transvania. So uh, those those would have been great tests. We played Babson, Tufts, Alvernia, uh, Trinity, uh, you know, so we we played a challenging schedule outside of our conference. No, absolutely. Uh, I think it's, we'll talk a little bit more about the fact that I think you benefited from that scheduling. Uh, I'll just say we really missed you in, in Vegas. Uh, I was kind of licking my lips at, at all the great teams we had coming there. And when we started getting word of those who were backing out and you guys were on there first off, not surprised. I know there are tough decisions to be made that time of year, but I was kind of a little bummed. I was like, Oh man, we had, we had some good games lined up. We still got good games, but we hope we'll maybe you'll make it back another time. 
Uh, yeah. Coach Calhoun, Coach Calhoun was coming out of retirement for the for those games. You know, I was one of the guys that came down, tested positive. So oh. I was going on a trip and he took over oh. uh, practice for for three. I know he's uh, <laughs> he's a bigger hit than me for sure. And no, right it, so. it, it would just <laughs> been the perfect Calhoun story. Yeah, he coached he coached practice for three games. Then we had probably like eight more guys come down with COVID. So the trip was canceled. But it would have been, you know, all these times that I've stepped in for him over right. the last last few years and he gets the wins. Uh he, he <laughs> they would have been my wins at that point in time. <laughs> okay, that's great. Because yes, the one thing that's been the dynamic with you two, first off, you've known each other for years. Um, and, and you've been part of his coaching staff for years. I'm not going to be able to do it justice. But the one thing that I found unique about your dynamic with at, with this program was it it was known there are times he wouldn't be able to coach a full game, and so you would take over when he would just he needed to go back to the to the locker room. ESPN's documentary on that certainly showed that well. We would see it just watching games. You knew that dynamic, so it's interesting that you finally are not able to be there. And he's the one who comes in to help you out. And yes, appropriately enough, if those games had taken place and you got wins, yes, you should have gotten those because you coach St. Joe's to a lot of wins. You're not getting credit for, sir. Yeah. Well, it's been a lot of fun. We kind of took over, you know, took on this project yeah. uh, was four years ago now. And, uh, you know, we have a great friendship and, uh, you know, I was a head coach myself for 17 years, right. but I started out with coach. I played for him at Northeastern university. So, we have many of the same values and we've had so much fun together. And this has been a great experience for both of us. Yeah. You two have been at each other's sides as much as your wives have been at your, each other's <laughs> sides. Um, you, you talked about it there. This is a program you started four years ago. And listen, we knew with Jim being the head coach, in, in other words, the, the name on the, on the marquee, as it were, that you would get probably some pretty good pro uh, pretty get good pretty quick. And I've seen other men's programs, at formerly women's colleges, including my, my alma mater, get good quick. There's a lot behind that, you know, recruiting and all of that. Did you? But on the flip side, of that did you expect to go a 16 and 12 your first season, 26 and three in the second, and be sitting here now 23 and one essentially in the third full season? In other words, get that good that fast. Well, I don't know if we expected it. I, my first head coaching job was at Connecticut College, and we were rock bottom of the conference. And as you well know, a very good conference. And uh, it took a few years, and it comes down to recruiting, getting talent into yeah. the program, and and then um, you know making it a year-round program. Um, you you got to have guys that have the same passion as maybe some guys at the Division One level that they want to work at it year-round. And uh, you know things can happen uh, fairly quick. I think if if you get that type of kid in your program and uh, you know, both division three jobs, we've been able to do that. You were associate head coach at Con UConn with Calhoun. You certainly know your D one. You obviously, you know, your D three. We we've explained that uh, you said that with Connecticut college and other experiences, but really in the grand scheme of things, what's the biggest thing that you've had to, or maybe still are adapting to or adjusting to, or getting used to in the division three level with this program? Well, you know, I've as a lot of coaches. First of all, there's there's very good players and very good coaches at the Division three level. Um, the passion that I have to coach, uh, you want to be able to work with your guys year round. I mean, that's the great thing about Division one is you have the whole summer 
you get a certain amount of hours if you if your uh, athletes are in summer school that you can work with them. And I I really that's the part of it uh, from a developmental standpoint that you don't get to Division three level. And I really think Division three should consider you know maybe not the summertime. You know you're there's some budgetary constraints there, obviously, and a lot of schools don't have uh, summer school to offer. But once you get back in school and classes start, your guys are going to be in the gym and you're going to be at work every day anyway. So I would like to see us be able to work with our guys. They'd be better prepared. They'd be from a, from a health and safety standpoint, they'd, they'd be ready to go. Uh, you get a couple of weeks before you're playing a game. So, and they deserve to uh, have the same opportunity to develop as division one players. So I'd like to see a change there. It's an interesting tactic. Not the first time I've heard that. Certainly, I've heard other thoughts on that, and we've heard the counterpoints too. It's an interesting debate in Division Three, to say the least. Um, let me talk about the team. Uh, we'll go back to the Yeshiva game in a moment, but I want to talk about the individuals. You got four guys in double figures. Uh, almost all of them are are pretty much mainstays on the starters, and you got a couple just outside double figures. Uh, J.C. Martin leading the way, twelve point eight points a game, five rebounds a game. By the way. 5.8 assists per game. Apparently he does it all and no one got the memo. Shoots 45% from the floor and 71% from the free throw line. I'll get to the rest of the guys, but that those numbers jump out. He rebounds, he shoots, he distributes, he gets two steals per contest. His assist to turnover ratio is, is pretty stellar as well. What is it about him that clicks and, and how does that help the team? Well, he's a, dy a dynamic player, especially at this level. He's got a ton of quickness. Uh, he loves to be in a gym. He loves to play. Um, very coachable. You know, he's he's the um, the engine to our fast break and to our offense, and he can apply defensive pressure uh, in the backcourt too and on the ball. So he's just been a terrific player for us, and uh, you know, really so valuable. Well, and of course, he's not the only one. As we said, three guys in double figures, 12.4 both for Ryan O'Neal and Jordan Powell. Uh, O'Neal pulls in four rebounds a game. Powell brings in six rebounds a game. And then you've got 11.8 points a game from Tyree Mitchell. By the way, all of them seniors. Um, and he's pulling down, what is it, three rebounds a game uh, on top of that. And I, I'll mention uh, Martin, Shalen Martin, senior as well, nine points a game. Um certainly contributes at 3.7 rebounds a game and plus all the other stats. That's again, it's seniors. It's a heck of a core and it's obviously the group that got this all started. And, and so there's a lot going on with that group, not just on the stat sheet. The good news is most of those guys are going to be back next year. <laughs> Depends on whose, whose perspective that is. <laughs> no, most of them will be back next year with the, with the uh, COVID year. And that's pretty cool for you guys. And it yeah. keeps, can, can, keeps growing the program, but what, what do they do as a core group that helps this team be so successful? Well, uh, you know, Ryan has, has been a steady offensive player for us as six foot five, uh, a wing guard, uh, can shoot it, uh, can go off the dribble a little bit and is, has logged a, a ton of minutes over the course of his career. So he's very experienced and we can rely on him. We know what we're going to get at him pretty much every game. Tyree Mitchell is probably our, our best one-on-one -on -one offensive player. He's, he's learned how to play defense a little bit this year. Uh, but, but, uh, you know, he's a big guard too at six, you know, six, three, maybe six, four, uh, Chalen Martin is um, really a, they're all great kids, but Chalen is, is really a special person. And, you know, he's kind of uh, come into his own offensively a little bit over the last 10 games where he's, he was mostly a defensive player and now he's starting to score for us, but just a, a very, very good defensive player. Uh, it's a well-balanced, you know, we, we lack 
the, the one guy that can go off uh, for 20-something, 30 points. I mean, Delshawn Jackson Jr. Uh, was a guy that averaged 22 points a game for us last year, essentially hasn't played this year because, you know, he's coming off a foot injury. And, that, and then this year he's dealt a lot with uh, – uh, patella tendonitis and a few other nagging injuries. So he really hasn't played. And, you know, that 26 and three um, season two years ago, uh, he averaged 22 points a game against Albertus, who's been, uh, you know, our rival and a very good team in our league uh, in the championship game to go to the NCAA tournament. He had 48 points. He averaged 36 that year against them. So we're really missing him. We've done this all without a dynamic scorer, but we're well balanced. And I think we're probably a better defensive team than we, went, than we were two years oh, ago. Oh, geez. Not that we would look ahead to next year, but again, bring back that core, bring back that experience. You talk about being more balanced, better defensive, et cetera, and then bring his contributions in. Should they be able to, to come, you know, be added. And that's, right. that's certainly going to be a fascinating story next year. Uh, looking at the season again, your non-conference was pretty impressive. Uh, you played Maine Augusta non D three to start, but then Alvernia and Babson, you played Tufts and Trinity. Uh, again, we were supposed to have you, uh, in, in Vegas where Marietta was going to be on the schedule, but you've also had to adapt and throw other games in and Yeshiva is one of them. How tough was it to adjust to playing the Yeshiva game when you were already playing thick in the conference as it were? and focus so much on the conference to then shift gears and play a nationally ranked and, you know, pretty widely um, followed team in Yeshiva. How, was that a hard transition or was it just another game? Well, yeah, I think Yeshiva, Yeshiva is a unique team uh, with the offense they run. First of all, they're, I mean, they're a very good defensive team, but offensively, you know, you, you're going to get screened in that game probably more than you are the entire season. Uh, I mean, they just run a terrific motion offense, very physical offense. Uh, um, we had one day to prepare for them. I mean, they played the same schedule as we did, so right. and that's not an excuse. But for the unique style that they play, I would have liked more time to prepare for them. The the other thing is is with with um, you know make up games and throw in games. You're really in, in. It's the same for most everybody else. So again, it's not an excuse, but you would like time. You come off a game, make some adjustments, work on some things, and practice, improve in certain areas. You really don't have that convenience in a season like this. So again, ideally, uh, we would have had more time to prepare for them, but it, it was the same for them as it was for us. Uh, I, th I thought um, over the course of the 40-minute game, they stuck with their system. Uh, for the entire time. And we kind of strayed away from what we do best and how we got the lead in the first half in the second half, whether, you know, whether the crowd had anything to do with it, I don't know. It was a little disappointing from that standpoint, but they're a terrific team is a great experience for us. And, uh, you know, we would love to have another, another opportunity. They're going to come to our place next year. So we'll be looking forward to that. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, no, that's great. And their, their schedule continues to improve, which is also good for them as well. And, and, and I was thrilled to see the game. Uh, again, because of those numbers, legitimately, you guys popped up in the in the top sixteen conversation that got revealed last week by the NCA committee chairs. You guys are sitting in pretty good spot, number two in last week's regional rankings. We know, obviously, that could get adjusted this week, though. I don't think a loss to Yeshiva hurts you too badly. You guys are in a pretty good spot here. I know you don't want to take your foot off the floor, and I know you want to go win the GNAC title. I'm certainly not saying you shouldn't. But do you feel comfortable that looking to March is something that you guys can do that should you need to maybe rest a guy in a game or something? It's something that will come come into your head and something you might need to do. Well, I mean, we we uh, actually 
our practice today. I was, I was displeased. I was not happy with our practice. So we're trying to, you know, I tried to wake the guys up a little bit today. I mean, they're, they're fairly focused, but we just got to take care of what we can take care of. Uh, we can only control what we can control. And so we need to be ready to play. We need to be playing our best basketball come Wednesday night in the, in the, uh, in the quarterfinals or our conference tournament. And, uh, you know, if we, if we can win three games and get the automatic bid, then, then nothing else matters, but, uh, try not to put pressure on the guys. I mean, they've done a great job so far. It's extremely difficult to go undefeated for the season. And I want our guys playing to win, not, not to hang on to not lose, you know, so uh, we've got to take that approach and and, and uh, just do the best we can. Yeah, Norwich, I kind of felt bad. You guys played them last time. It was a 10-point game. This time you, you steamrolled them by 32. Not the opponent to come off of after your first loss because you guys were probably chomping at the bit to avenge for that. Um, do you, what? Yeah, I'm kind of curious. You said you had a bad game uh, it, or a bad practice. It, it wasn't what you wanted. What is the message to the guys? Is it about focusing on one game at a time or is it focusing on the larger um the larger target the larger uh, mission that you guys have to or have I, I on your you know board for the season well our focus as a staff and hopefully it's um, carried over to the players i think it has is just trying to get better every day uh you know I, I don't look so much at the end result of the score as as much as i do at evaluating the tape and seeing you know are we executing the best we can on both ends of the floor are we playing hard enough uh, and, you know, when I see a lot of flaws in our defensive execution or offensive execution, it doesn't matter if we won by 30, we won by five. It's, you know, come back to practice the next day and try to improve and try to get these guys to the point where we're, we're playing loose, but we're playing with a, a very good organization and discipline and we're cutting down on our mistakes because then when you go play teams like Yeshiva and maybe Marietta or, or whoever, you know, that, that's the way you have to play. Those are going to be uh, possession games and uh, you have to have that execution for the entire 40 minutes or close to it. Uh, are you enjoying this? Is, is this what is oh, this yeah. the fun you guys are expecting to be having? Yeah, I think most coaches, the most fun is when you're at practice every day trying to teach and help student athletes yeah. improve and develop. You know, the games are, are um, it's competition. You know, you, uh, I don't eat as well on, on game day, but yeah, I enjoy it. This has been a lot of fun. It's, it's, it's the only thing I've done to make a living. So <laughs> I got to find a way to find a way to hang in there for a little bit longer. <laughs> I don't blame you, sir. I don't blame you at all. Hey, I really appreciate the time. Thanks for the insight on the team. Congratulations on what's been an absolute tremendous season. Obviously, a lot of top 25 attention, uh, sitting 12 now, but oh, we didn't fix our graphic. We have you at five still. So take the five for a little bit longer. Uh, thanks for the time. We always have a tradition on the show. Uh, we always say uh, the, the guest gets the final word. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with those who may be tuned in? Well, I just say, like so many others have said, I've listened to your podcast before that, you know, our guys have passion just like. Uh, Big East players or ACC players have passion. They want to win. They want to develop. They want to play after college. They want to win national championships. So, you know, the attention that you bring to Division Three basketball, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of people appreciate appreciate that. And I do, and, I, and our players do as well. So thank you. Well, thank you. I appreciate the kind words. Hopefully we'll see you in Vegas next year, maybe, or a year after, or somewhere where it works. That was Coach Calhoun wanted to go to Vegas. I wanted to go to Florida. <laughs> I'm telling you, Vegas is fun. I'm telling you, Vegas is fun. Yeah, we, we'll, we'll see. We'd like to go someplace. It's great to go on those trips. Well, we would love to have you if you are able to make it. Tell uh, Coach Calhoun we said hi, and we'll look forward to catching up with the Blue Jays down the road. 
Okay, thanks, Steve. Absolutely. Thanks so Glenn Miller joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Again, I forgot to fix the graphic. I knew they had moved from 5 to 12, but I had other things to do. So we left them at 5 there for a little bit of attention. Uh, but thanks to them for coming on. Great season that they're having. Look forward to seeing how that plays out. When we come back, Pat Coleman joins us to talk about things in the final week of the regular season, the best week of the, of the, of the entire season. He joins us to talk all about it. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the NABC studios. Still ahead, also Rowan's Joe Crispin will join us along with, uh, let me double check. Oh, yeah, St. Norbert's Amanda uh, Leonard Perry will talk about their teams as well. You're listening to Hoopsville. Back with more after this. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play, free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game, where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports. It's on us. It's on all of us. And it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. schools than Division 1, more fans than Division 2, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division 3 basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Welcome back to Hoopsville as we roll along on this Monday, the February the 21st. Don't forget, we'll be back on the air Thursday, 7 o'clock Eastern Time. What we will talk about, I do not know. I Well, I, we'll talk about Division Three basketball. Who we'll have on for guests, I'm not positive. We'll cross that bridge when we come to it. We've got some good ideas. Already got my list rolling along. Um, there's a couple coaches. Well, we have uh, one coach from last week we want to get on the show. we got another coach out in the Great Lakes we'd like to talk to. But we'll talk all about them. It's the odd regions on Thursdays, the even regions on Mondays. And, of course, next Sunday will be on the air. Well, 6 p.m. has been traditional. Maybe it's 5 p.m. We'll see as we do our mock selections from women and men's basketball. And then next Monday, 7 o'clock Eastern time, we react to the brackets uh, that have been released a week from today. Yeah, a week from today, we'll know who's in the NCAA tournament. Speaking of the greatest week of the basketball season and everything that goes on, this is the week we don't sleep. And so I figured we'd start it off right by bringing in Pat Coleman from D3Hoops.com because uh, if we're not sleeping, Pat's not either, or he's tricked us and we're the ones not sleeping while he is. I don't care, Pat. Don't tell me the truth. 
I was going to say there might've been a year or so there where I did get to sleep yeah, that one true. year I semi-retired. That's about it. There's not a lot of sleep going on. No, for sure. Yeah, no, that's that. And, yeah. And you know, just for, for, uh, for Glenn Miller, a uh, previous guest, I have here what I suppose would have been JC Martin's uh, all tournament team from the D three hoops.com classic. So we'll make sure that the, those guys do get back out there, Florida, whatever you can always go to Florida. Thank Come you. Right. Vegas. Right. That one, or I've got his other one back here. One of the, one of the, yeah. Yeah. I, I, yep. I never been to an all tournament uh, or named to an all tournament. So I appreciate they're not showing up. So I could be. <laughs> and I'm just going to warn everybody. I am dealing with uh, some pretty severe allergies today. So if I sneeze or my eyes water, just know, <laughs> I'm not that verklempt about the basketball season. People know what it's like when I'm verklempt about division three sports. If anybody heard the opening kickoff of the 2021 stag bowl, they know what that sounds like. I'm in a little bit better place emotionally right now, but it is really good to have this most wonderful time of the year. Hey, I got a little verklempt at the beginning of the show. If you've got bingo going and you've got that, you've got a dog barking in the background, but not mine and you got Pat sneezing or coughing during the show, you could be your well on your way to actually getting bingo. You you could. I did not, it never occurred to be Pat sneezing or coughing, but yes, <laughs> coughing is usually before the show. It's true. That's true. <laughs> hey, uh, again, I'll credit Lenny Reich, who's heading to the uh, Cosada Hall of Fame. Congratulations to him, as we mentioned early on, for mentioning, hey, he literally texted me, he goes, hey, you know, enjoy the best week of the season. I thought, darn, that is that is what it is. It is the best week of the season. That's not a knock to the rest of the season in any way, shape, or form. But this is the, this is the week where we just sit there kind of just – just sometimes I sit back and just laugh because it is such good basketball. You get upsets, you get a little of this, you get a little of that. There is twists and turns all leading up to next Monday. And it's, and it's just, it's a blast. And I'm glad we're back here. Yeah. I mean, this is the week where every single game is important. And of course that's true in March also, but right now you've got like 200 teams who are still in it. Right. right? And, and I think this year more than ever, one of the things I love about the fact that you know, COVID kind of played havoc with schedules a little bit. Not everybody played a full conference schedule. Right. So what, we're going to throw all the teams in the conference tournament. Hey, that makes this week really even more impressive than usual, a lot more fun than usual. And I hope that conferences look at it and see those expanded benefits and opportunities for student athletes and kind of continue that. Like, for example, I like what the WIAC is doing, that kind of ladder format where, you know, the top two seeds get a double buy to the semifinals, the three and four got a buy to the quarterfinals. Uh, seven and eight played nine, 10, and they go on to play five, six. That's not, that's not it. There's not 10 teams in the WIAC, but you get my, you get my drift. Oh, wait, what? Eight, eight plays five and six plays seven. And no, absolutely. And, uh, well, that and was actually, even still. I said this on air, a couple of McDaniel broadcasts. I was surprised that the Centennial didn't decide to, to do that. I know they didn't get ravished by COVID and scheduling changes, but they had enough that, that changed the complexion of some games. I saw some teams with just seven players on the court. You know, that that changes how you're going to play. I'm surprised the Landmark, a, t a conference I know real well, didn't do the same. And I agree. I I understand the premise sometimes of, of restricted tournaments. You know, there's there's costs and there's class time and all that. But it's also, I mean, players are playing for these moments. And, and we're going to get to see a few extra ones this week. Yeah, I am. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. Other conferences I looked at similarly. I think the, the Liberty League didn't quite get all of its games in. And the difference between making that conference tournament and not making that conference tournament is a half game in the standings. It should never be a half game. It should no. never be a half game. I like no. to see all those games get played. Well, and then you had a conference like the NACC. We'll talk to St. Norbert women coming <laughs> up. That's not the side all I'm talking 20, about. All 27 teams getting into the tournament, right? <laughs> right. But that, I mean, I was just chuckling at, 
at how that was playing out as the season was coming to a close, you had what eight teams within a game with five yeah, teams at one point tied for first. And I mean, it's yeah. probably one of the first times in my career I've looked at one of those and said, Nope, I'm not figuring this out. Not even going to bother. <laughs> and I guess from what I was uh, given to understand is actually those tiebreakers weren't actually all that difficult to figure out for oh, whatever reason. Darn. And I guess that makes sense. You know, if you have teams tied with six losses, I mean, there's lots of losses in there. There's going to be ways true. to separate those five yeah. teams who are tied for I whatever. I guess that's true. You go to head to head, you can figure it out. It's just, you just never know which way do you start on all that. That's always where I get tripped up in the past. Um, yeah. Mac was a lot of fun though. So it would yeah. ended up being, uh, let's see, everybody in the top seven teams in the conference was either, uh, was, was between 11 and six and 10 and seven. There yeah. were seven teams within one that's, game of each other. That's insane. Awesome though. Awesome. Awesome. I mean, listen, we can, we can talk about conferences that aren't at like a WIAC or an ODAC or, or a NESCAC or whatever, but sometimes some of the best races end up coming out of those conferences. You know, I talk about the Mac Commonwealth often as being one of the most competitive conferences in the country. And people kind of look at me sideways. I'm like, I'm not talking about the fact that they've got two, three national contenders who are going to go for national championships. I'm talking about the fact that you show up on any given night, and even five minutes after you've started the game, you don't know how that one's going to finish. And I showed up to one on Saturday that literally played out like that. I went to Stevenson Albright. Halfway through the first half, I'm like, yeah, Stevenson's rolling here. Albright's not, this is not a good game. By halftime, it's a one-point game, and they go to overtime, and suddenly everybody found offense. Sometimes those middle-to-bottom conferences are fun to watch, and this week they're bonkers. I think even I look back to a game that was, um, I guess, on Saturday, a game that I normally wouldn't bat a second eye at. Uh, University of New England beat Wentworth 74-72. That was a game, you know, in a year where everybody makes the conference tournament, maybe you think that's not a big deal or no individual right. game is such a big deal. But this is a game that basically decided who was going to host the 8-9 game that is going on, by the way, right now right. Uh, between uh, between Wentworth and University of New England, by the way. Um, it's like Wentworth is handing it to the Nor'easters in a pretty big way. But, you know, University of New England won the opportunity to play this game at home because they won that game by two points on Saturday. I think all these games have, especially in a year where not all of the uh, teams play the same number of games in a conference necessarily, each one of those little games could be a big difference, could have swung somebody from the first seed to the fifth seed. I don't know if this happened in the neck. Well, and there was a game in the Centennial. Swarthmore on Saturday played, I think it was Ursinus. That's right. Yep. And they already knew they were going to be playing in the semis. So then you start going, okay, what kind of gamesmanship and, and tactics are going to do in this game so they don't give away too much for the game in a week? Or do they throw everything out there because they want to overwhelm them for a week later? Like it's always right. that kind of stuff that I tune in for because I think it's like, oh, I'm curious what's going to happen here. That is definitely interesting. I wonder, you know, in football, that would happen all the time, right? Because right. The, the football playbook is what it is. You don't show stuff on tape that you might not want someone to see two weeks later. But I don't know about basketball, man. You get uh, 25 games of tape yeah. on somebody, and especially in the conference. You could break down everything left, left, right, sideways, upside down, 25 Give ways Give them more Sunday. to look at than you really need them to look at. Uh, right. Football, of course, they always add the play they'll never use. They just make them think about it. But um, yeah. listen, obviously, there's a lot that'll go on this week. Uh, the top 25 uh, men's side hit, uh, came out right as we were hitting the air. Um not a ton of changes. Some interesting moments in there. Obviously, middle middle and bottom, a lot of movement. Women will yeah. come out in a little bit, though I've already gotten a preview that uh, Catholic falls out, Ithaca replaces them. Um, but moving forward, D3 Hoops is going to have 
a rotating front page galore for the next week, sir. Um, you want to yeah. give a preview of what you may or may not be having on? Maybe, maybe telling us what you won't have will be less than what we will have. Here's what you won't be seeing. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, the, uh, right. The, it's the old plays of the week thing. Right. right exactly. Uh, I, I can, uh, channel Sunday night, uh, very nicely done from, from 1998. Like you wouldn't believe, um, you know, the thing that's things that are going to go on between now and, uh, a week from tonight when you are exhausted. I know, and we'll have brackets out there that everybody will be complaining about. Yes, is, uh, first they always off, do. Is, yeah, well, can't help. Uh, those conference tournament trackers, which you see, oh gosh, right now they're probably in the three and four spot. I don't even know. Like it's been, it's been a, uh, it's been a spinning carousel for the past four or five days already. We had a day last yes. week where, you know, between the USA South split story and conference trackers and I think regional rankings, we spun like five. Uh, top stories in about uh, 36 hours or something like that's that. about right so if you want to know just what's going on what the big picture looks like at a glance in uh, division three basketball we are tracking as we have been for uh the past several years and then way way back in antiquity uh we did this uh back in the 90s and rusty egan was always you know the uh, sid at wpi was like yeah. you gotta bring these back when are you gonna bring these back and i'm like i don't know how we're gonna do that how did we do that in 2000 speaking of getting no sleep um but you can see at a glance, you know, where every conference is in its tournament, what the upcoming games are. If we've got links to them or have the chance to scare them up ourselves, then, uh, you know, you'll find those there uh, as uh, teams get eliminated from the playoffs and the pool C bubble information changes. We're going to do our best to keep that updated. And again, there's a page like that for men's basketball. There's a page like that for women's basketball. Uh, so we'll have all of that updated. Of course, it's going to be like, you know, wall to wall games and then all day Saturday and then Sunday. And then Monday, I forgot to take next Monday off of my uh, day job. <gasps> day. Yes, yes. I, it's like it's like we haven't had a selection Sunday for a couple of years, I and I forgot to to manage my schedule that way. So we'll see how that goes. That'll be fun. Um, and uh, yeah, it's uh, but you know, fields of sixty four and brackets and eliminations. I, just to say, there's going to be a lot of stuff flying through. Yeah. over the course of the next. Well, not just the next week to till selection time, but uh, you know through those first couple rounds of games also. I was just scrolling through the uh, the the tracker myself, saw a couple upsets underway tonight. We'll take a look at the scoreboard a little bit later. Uh, anything in men's and women's basketball that's jumped out at you in the in the last couple of weeks or whatever since we last chatted on the show? Gosh, um, you know it's been a lot of fun just to watch how things have uh, how things have progressed. Right, it always is. Um, you know, we think I I would say as a voter, you know, I've, I've not been available most Monday nights to try to participate in, you know, the, your, uh, top 25 breakdown, but I feel like, you know, where I'm standing, where I stood this year is that things were just too volatile to really make big judgments based on one game. So like I did a lot of things where I kind of ignored a loss until there was another loss to yeah. augment it. Right. Um, so, you know, that's a situation where maybe you hold on to a team like Wash U that's been in a big tailspin, uh, before until, you know, you actually see the rest of it develop out. Right. You never know yeah. who's taking the floor from night to night. It's not really possible for us as voters. Not all, not all 25 of us have the bandwidth to go and decide who played on night X, you know, like, um, the big question a couple of weeks ago, right? Tufts beat Williams. Williams right. was back at full strength. Well, Williams had everybody for the first time in three three weeks. But is that at full strength as a team that hasn't played? Uh, Absolutely right. Lineup? 
Right. Yeah. Lots of crazy stuff like that. Those are the things we know about. There are, you know, so many things that we don't know about either. Right. That we're just not ever going to be able to, you know, command the bandwidth to, uh, to go figure out. So like Emory lost at university of Chicago. And I'm like, yeah, but they won at wash you the night before <laughs> or two nights earlier. It's like, I'm just going to ignore the Chicago loss for yeah. now until I see something else from Emory that suggests, no, I really need to, to hold on. I and did you know, the same thing. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's just, that's the kind of, that's the kind of year it is. And uh, you see all the people talking about uh, what, you know, who the first team all Americans are going to be. And it's like, oh, no, we are, no, we're having, right. We're having this year, the year that we thought we would have Dave. Remember when we thought yeah. so many, so many uh, schools are bringing guys back. So many guys are coming back uh, for an extra year of eligibility because of COVID. This is going to be the most stacked it's ever going to, it's ever have been talent all over the place. I, um, you know, I'm I'm not looking forward to that uh, conversation that we have like four weeks from now where we go through, uh, you know, 6,000 games of men's basketball yeah. and 6,500 games of women's basketball and try to whittle those fields down. Now, I, th- there's two conversations I ignore for different reasons. I ignore top 25 conversations before I voted in the top 25 has come out, uh, at least close to it. I mean, if we're talking Wednesday, it's different, but I mean. Sunday and yeah. Monday, I don't even, I, I ignore the Twitter top 25s. I ignore yep. uh, D3 board top 25. I don't want to hear other thoughts. I need to keep my thoughts to myself. The other one I ignore flat out is anything <laughs> about all Americans in all region. I do not want to wade into that until it's absolutely necessary and I want to come in with a fresh mind. I've gone down that rabbit hole in a normal year right. and it's never helped me. It's never right. helped me. You want me to do that now? No way. <laughs> no. I'm glad. And for me, I'm glad to read about those things. I just know that. I'll glance. Uh, I'm just not most, answering. Yeah. Most of our, the people who are candidates, men's and women's basketball, have some really big, really important games to play between yes. now and then that are going to have a lot of bearing on that. So I look at it. It's like, yep. Yep. Those are all people who will be considered. I totally I, agree with your five, they'll be considered for the all very. I'll give you an example of that. I was talking with uh, the guy who runs small college basketball uh, when he was doing this Bevo Francis thing. And, Hamilton. and he was talking about like, who do you think is the player of the year right now in division three? This was a December conversation. December. And I said, listen, there's certainly some candidates. I would say these guys, but there's a lot of times here in December, we don't know who the player of the year is because they haven't emerged. And I yeah. used Ashton Francis as an example. I said, listen, in December of that senior year, we knew he was having a great year, but no one really thought it was going to be anything more than just a stats thing. That he was going to get his numbers. He was going to look good, but Wheaton wasn't going to be a part of that conversation. It was February when we all started going, wait a minute. That's turning into something more than just a one-man show. And then it was March when he made that great run and the team went on his back to the Final Four that we all went, this is the player of the year. This guy is phenomenal and what he did for his team's terrific so sometimes those conversations i'm like no i want to see who emerges from the chaos right and sometimes it's a guy we don't see coming and it's not to say that you have to score 62 points in an elite eight game to be the player of the year yeah because another conversation uh, we had was uh uh what's his name at ohio wesleyan who you know, wasn't a big score, but he distributed the ball like crazy and led his team. And we're talking so, about Nate Axelrod, right? Thank you. Axelrod. That's who I was yeah. talking about. So, right. It's all kinds of different guys. And so that's, yeah, I don't want to wade into it because I want to see him in the big games. And this is the week we get to see it. And certainly on the women's side too. Um, I think the women's side showing more parody 
now. It does seem like that. I mean, we've talked about this. I know you and I have, and I don't know if we, I've mentioned it on the show, but I've talked about it other places. It's like when I go to vote in the women's top 25, I have to constantly remind myself that everybody who I would vote for below, you know, eight to 10 or so is probably two spots higher than I normally mentally think of them as because uh, for many years, I would absolutely have Thomas Moore up yeah. in those top three. And I'd probably have St. Thomas most given years in yeah. the top 10. And so if I'm thinking about this team is like, mm, I don't really think they're a number 12 team. It's like, well, that's because right. they would have been number 14 two years ago. Right. If that helps. I don't know though that it does help. No, but, but it I also feels think- like there's teams that, that, all right, listen, we talked to Greensboro. They're 24 and one. You start looking at their resume outside of about three, four games there that just obviously aren't helping any resume, NCAA or top 25. Right. They got some... In- you know, it jumps out at you. You look at their stats, it jumps out at you. But what my point is, isn't that they should be a top 25. My point is there's a lot of teams like them with just a handful of losses that I think for the first time you're looking at a top 25 going, man, there's not enough room. Well, I mean, I, I looked over Greensboro's resume really closely a few weeks ago. We got some questions about them via email. Sure. And I'm like, yeah, right. You, uh, you're alluding to them playing uh, Regent University twice and Mid Atlantic Christian once, and uh, and Warren, Warren Wilson, Wilson, who will twice. eventually be in D three. But you know, none of those. I mean, basically, no. There's like one game against, uh, two games against even the ODAC, and the ODAC is not the you know the no. paragon of women's basketball at the Division three level either. Um, you know, I just feel like there's way, there's way too many teams. There's a lot of teams like that. There's just a lot of teams in division three in general, and you could play a 25 game schedule and not touch anybody who is, you know, good enough to, to give you a top 25 resume, right? Yeah. Uh, five and 20, uh, Guilford seven and 16. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and then the rest is conference schedule. And if your conference were the NESCAC, that would be one thing. Well, that's what I mean is there's just, there's more of those, I think now, than we've had like the Webster undefeated and Webster's and, a good example. Yeah. yeah it just, it, and I'm not saying they should or shouldn't be in there. I just find that I think there's more teams I'm looking at now on the women's side who have those resumes that don't have a bunch of losses. Penn state Baron. Yeah. No, a great. Another good example. Absolutely. And, and Heck, I, I, I think mean, that's G- good too. I'd like to see Gettys- better. Gettysburg is 22 and three. And you know, I've had, I had had them on my ballot for a little while. Um, but you know, again, there's so many, there's, I think what is, it's a lot of teams that have kind of very similar resumes that you don't really know what to do with, um, you know, like Gettysburg lost to Christopher Newport. Yeah. Okay. That's good. I mean, that's fine. That's a thing. Understandable. Uh, lost to Johns Hopkins, lost to Mary Wash by 20, uh, beat Messiah and Messiah has been kind of in and Up out and down, of yeah. top 25. And, and, you know, if you have enough of those wins to balance unexpected losses, that's cool. Um, but there's just so many, so many teams like that. And I think right. Roger Williams, uh, I'm just scrolling, man. Uh, no, they're, they're, you know, it's start- St. John Fisher. That's what I think is interesting. I don't know why. Emmanuel. Yeah, there's another good Emmanuel's one. Emmanuel's 22 and one. Yeah. Right. Lost to Amherst by eight. Um, I don't see a, you know, I don't see a win on here that, uh, that, that propels them no, in the top 25. That's what status. I mean. There's just a bunch of those teams this year. Yeah. Whereas normally there's a bunch more losses there. And I just think, well, I don't know if it's parody. I don't know if it's COVID. I, I don't know what it is, but it might make the tournament really fun to watch this year. Right. Some games didn't get played, right? I mean, uh, Emmanuel's going into its conference tournament at 23 and or 22 and one. That's 23 games. Dave, I know you know 
where those other two games were supposed to have been played, but yes, for uh, for Glenn Miller and for everybody else, <laughs> it was uh, right here at the D3Hoops.com Classic. Uh, I'm just by the way, quick prop no- by my desk now. <laughs> per, per that note, and before I let you go, Williams is 16 and three in men's basketball. 16 right. and so that's it. It's three. just 19 games. Right. It's crazy. Right. I mean, almost Trinity of DC is probably uh, <laughs> the only team that comes close to not playing that many games. <laughs> wow. What a reference, sir. Hey, I got to let... digs those scores out of the scoreboard. Oh, so, I know yeah. what you mean. I don't like looking up their scores. I got to let you go. Always fun to chat with you. I know we'll get lots of time to chat with you between now uh, and uh, next Monday night. Uh, we'll probably even talk to you next Monday. I don't know. We'll figure it out. But as always, final word goes to the guests, sir. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in? I made it through the show without sneezing, and I'm counting that as a W. <laughs> I, I, sir, bravo. Well, well done. Hey, thanks for the time. As always, look forward to uh, and tell everybody, obviously, go to d3hoops.com, but look forward to chatting with you down the road. Do those things. Yep. Thanks, Dave. Absolutely. Take care of yourself. He's back yep. home and join us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Got to get going. I lost track of time chatting with Pat there. Uh, we've got Rowan men's basketball on the line, and we have got uh, St. Norbert women's basketball coming up as well. Uh, we got to get moving, in other words. Uh, before I do, though, before we go to commercial break, I really should give our partners at the NABC some love. National Association of Basketball Coaches. Uh, I didn't click over the graphic. There we go. National Association of Basketball Coaches works to further the best interests of the game of basketball and the coaches and players who participate in the sport. The NABC thanks its nearly 5,000 member coaches, including the many Division Three coaches who impact our game, for upholding the core values of leadership, advocacy, service, education, and inclusion. For more information, head to the NABC website. That's nabc.org. Back with more Hoopsville after this. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To to stop stop sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. 
that's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. There are over 480,000 college athletes. Only 2% would go pro. That means over 470,000 will not get a shoe contract. No autographs. No private jets. No fan clubs. No Hall of Fame inductions. Instead, they will walk away with something much more valuable. Welcome back to Hoops. A little love uh, to Tim Calderwood. He's one of our top 25 voters on the men's side. Earlier today, he sent out a tweet saying, here's my how I voted in the final D3 Hoops top 25 before the NCAA tournament. I said, well, there is a poll next week. <laughs> he replied back a little while ago. He's the final poll until the field is released. All right, we'll give you the qualification. Uh, if you got questions for us, tweet us at D3 Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville. If you got questions, um, email us even, hoopsville at d3sports.com. Lots of ways to get a hold of us. Lots of ways we'd want to hear from you. Hope you uh, find a way. They're all there on the screen as well. And we'll uh, look forward to hearing from you as you uh, maybe fire away. Of course, just looked over at my email on my other computer and I let my computer go to sleep. But uh, nothing there yet. We're also on YouTube. YouTube.com slash Hoopsville. Blazer Bobcat says, final from uh, Georgia. Piedmont beats Mississippi. University of Women in men's action, 95-42. Not surprised by that. Um, and, of course, we're on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Hoopsville as well. Lots of people tuned in. Appreciate it. Uh, Pat and I had a great chat. We could have gone forever. Lots to talk about. Maybe we'll get him on. Well, we'll definitely get him on Sunday's show in some capacity, uh, but we'll uh, talk to him down the road. Uh, switching back to men's basketball. We're running a little bit late, but I'm still yammering here. Uh, Rowan men's basketball is having a tremendous season. The NJEC's been a fascinating race, to be honest with you. One that that's caught my attention um, quietly. We had Stockton on earlier this season. Uh, they end up being the conference regular season champs at 15-3 and in conference, but they have the same overall record as Roan, who finished a game behind them with Rutgers, Newark, Montclair State, and then Kane. Really, in a, in a race that I think I thought was going to maybe be a little bit different, those two pretty much raised, rose to the top along with Rutgers, Newark. Well, we've been a while since we talked to Rowan. I think the last time we talked to Joe Crispin on the show, he had just taken over the program fully. And so, well, let's get them back in here before uh, conference tournament time, just to mess with them. Joe Crispin joins us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Coach, first and foremost, thanks for taking the time. Appreciate it. Good to see you. My pleasure. Good to be here. Uh, listen, great season. Uh, a quiet 21-4? and four? I don't want to say it that way because I know there were several times midseason I was like, ah, oh, we got to get to Rowan, and just with our rotation, we weren't able to get to you guys. But there was a point there before early January, you had had one loss in the season. It was to Stockton. You guys were clicking along. Obviously, the NJAC beat you guys up a little bit, but it seems like you're kind of back to that point now because you've won, what, six in a row here and nine of the last 10. Seems like you're clicking along nicely. Yeah, we hit COVID. 
I'm yeah. sure we're not the only one. Uh, I hit it. Uh, I missed games. Um, and we've had two games that we scored less than 80 points and yeah. both of them, we were missing half the squad. So we knew it was going to happen. It was either protocols or whatever else. Um, even, you know, this year is a little different than last year and that there were literally healthy individuals, but because of health, whatever right. the protocols were at the time and they're different now. Right. So uh, I was, you know, I wasn't there for those two games, but I would have rather had my players over me. I think we would have been fine. Um, so we are a quiet 21 and four. And frankly, we're a dissatisfied 21 and four. And so our guys going into the postseason are pretty motivated. That's interesting. Yeah. Again, t- quiet 21 and four winners over your nine of your last 10, you're sitting second in the conference. So unfortunately, unless someone ups upset Stockton, you're going to have to travel s- down to them to to get out of the conference as an AQ if you can possibly do it. We'll cross that bridge in a minute. But if if you had your druthers at the start of this season and, and you had a pick, was 21 and four the season you expected to have? Or is this maybe playing above where you even thought you had expectations? I honestly I had high expectations. Okay. I, I got a good group of kids. I I have a lot of depth. Um I knew we could be different um and they're good kids I, I got a good group they click well um they bought into what we're doing you know we last year didn't have a season so we had right. nothing and we had a group of kids who you know they all got the pitch that was the same pitch this is all about winning and not numbers and we're going to play fast and we're going to be aggressive and we're going to try to have as much fun as we can during the season and we do. I mean, as a group, I felt like we could win every game. And uh, other than the one game against Stockton that we just completely laid an egg um, and early in the season, we felt like we could win every game we played. And, and again, Stockton got us down at their place. They they played a great game. Um, but, you know, the other two games we didn't feel like were earned. Uh, one game I had five rotation guys and the other I had six with two who hadn't practiced in a week. Oof. So. It is what it is. And I wasn't there. And but again, the players are more important than me. So, you know, I really did feel like if we were healthy, uh, that we could have a great year. And the guys have done a great job handling the adversity. And naturally, we want to finish us finish at our best. Stockton got you guys both times you played December 1st. It was a 98 69 game. January 26, similar but different 96 91 game. Is it- that was a great game. Yeah, it was a great game. And they played tremendous. Um, the first game, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit of a gunslinger. So when it's 10 or 12 and you got to come back, we go for it. I don't give a rip if it's 30. We're, sure. we're trying to win, not make it close at the end. So, um, you know, it was a new group and we're learning how to win at that time. But once they figured it out, they've done a great job. And uh, hats off to Stockton down at their place. They played a great game. But you know, we're hoping we can see him again on Saturday. <laughs> right. Uh, I was going to ask you what the difference was. So, yeah, I get the point. Listen, it's nice to come back, but if you can't pull it off, whatever. If a 30-point loss is no different than a 10-point loss in the grand scheme of things. That's – well, the way we play, every year when I have a new group, I mean, we we press a lot. We get down by 10 sometimes and then win by 25. It's the way we play, the risk, some of the risks we take early on – you know, my kids aren't accustomed to. So early in the season, uh, anytime we've had a, a new group, uh, I just call it a freak out. There's one freak out where the kids are, we're down 10 or 12 and I can sense it. And I'm calling a timeout going, guys, look at the scoreboard. 
this is 10 or 12 and we're acting like it's 20 right right um so there is a learning process to that and sometimes you know in order to be a great team you got to suffer and you usually don't get to choose your suffering but one of the ways is to recognize oh, you know what that wasn't about basketball that was more about uh, handling the emotion of a, a big game and you know when we went down there the second time it was just a it was just a great game all around it was entertaining and they made a few awesome shots at the end and we missed a few i thought even better shots but that's the way basketball goes it's interesting as a broadcaster there's many occasions where i'll be calling a low scoring game and a 10 12 point game seems insurmountable yes. there's just no way and we know that game is is done 5 minutes left uh, maybe that's a bad example, but still, we just know it's not going to be a comeback. Yes. A higher scoring game, 10 to 12, you're like, man, two shots here, and this thing is on its head, and we're ripping and roaring the other direction. So, yeah, it's all about the perspective of the game and, and how you're playing. It's very different. It's riding emotional waves. And I often say to coaches, I mean, we we score, we we have a lot of possessions, we take some risks that aren't as stupid as they often look. They're calculated, but they – for the kids to learn that i always tell them like you got to trust me if i'm okay with it you got to be okay with it and i often joke with other coaches of there's plenty of night that i'm like yeah i understand why coaches don't do this but it's the way i wanted to play as a player so this is what i'm giving my kids <laughs> i love it i love how you put it um talk about these guys as an individual side uh you're led by marcellus ross uh seven and a half 17 and a half points a game five and a half rebounds per contest uh quick math he's fourth on the team um with assists he's I think second or third on the team in steals andrew sager uh, 15 points a game seven rebounds a game uh let's see adrian azimi 14 and a half points a game five and a half rebounds a game one of your top assist guys as well haviz melvin i hope yep, i said yep. that right Phew. yep uh, 12 and a half points a game, four and a half rebounds. And by the way, they all shoot pretty decently. Ross at 38%, Seager at 55%. The other two in the in the high 30s, they all shoot from outside the arc a little or a lot, depending on your perspective. Decent from the free throw line. It seems like those four have a very well-rounded uh, um, game. To some degree, it's unfortunate if you have to add a fifth by rule. Not that you don't have five, but those four click pretty well, it would seem. Yeah, and we have firepower off the bench. I think we've had six or seven guys lead us in scoring at some point, and that's kind of how we're built. That's um, awesome. We're, we're not really relying on the top. Um, we've had a couple games where guys who were barely on the scouting report were teams uh, led us in scoring or were second in scoring. I, I'm a scorer at heart. Uh, we have a lot of guys who think they're the best option on the court every single night. And Is that I a understand good thing? why coaches <laughs> – don't stack the roster with guys like that. Okay. We do. Um, we have we have kids with a ton of confidence that they can score. Uh, and so what I like to tell the kids is we're not top heavy. Uh, even though the numbers might look that way, um, if you want to take one of those top guys away, we got another guy coming. So that's why we can score. I mean, we've been able – scoring has not been an issue for us all season. Um, the thing that really separates us on a nightly basis or even against the good teams is do we defend and execute the way we want to defend, um, you know, according to the game plan. Um, and that's always a learning curve for us. And we give up a lot of points, but it's, I don't really give a crap what the points per game is. I care about what the, the difference between how many we have and how many they sure. have. So there's, that's what we're about. I, yeah, I was going to ask you about the defense and I, I get not caring about the points per game, 
but just because that's what I can see. Obviously, I can watch a game, but I also see the stat line. So I'm just curious. You are outscoring your opponents. Let's get that out of the way by 11, 11 and a half points. So that's obviously a good thing, but you're allowing 82 plus points a game. Shooting percentages are almost identical for offense, defense. Uh, Teams shoot better from beyond the arc than you guys can shoot. And you're only out rebounding your opponents by one and a half. That's just what I see. So I do on, you know, as we head into this part of the season, this is sometimes where the biggest flaws of a team can be seen. I'm not saying you have any. I'm just curious. Do does defensively do you do you need to make adjustments or is it just not visible because your offense is so high powered that some of that just comes along for the ride? Yeah, there's really two answers to be honest with you. I mean, one is there were some things that we would be better at, but I missed three weeks because of protocol sure. yeah. or COVID and we miss kids. And there were a couple things that I usually leave to the second half of the season that we're kind of just getting to gotcha. um, and, and just getting good at. So that is partly true. There's a, there's a couple things that we do um, and we don't do it as much early in the season as we do late that I think we're pretty good at now that we weren't as good at earlier. Um, but the flip side of that is as a player, I always tell my brother, this as a broadcaster, we often talk about offense and defense as if they operate in separate universes. Um, but philosophically for me, one is going to fuel the other and vice versa. Um, so how you play defense is just as important to your offense as, you know, what your shell drill looks like in practice. So, We've done some things even that um, in the past we've always pressed, we've always gotten full court, but we've done some things even differently this year to try to increase pace um, because we could shoot 45% tomorrow night from three, or we could shoot 25%. Well, in a higher possession, fast paced game, that three point shooting percentage is less important. I have some really good players who are good at getting to the rack. Um, I think we're one of the best in the country at getting to the free throw line or making free throws. Um, that's because of our pace and the pace starts on defense. Um, we get the ball up quickly and do all the things offensively, but it really starts with how we are operating and with our depth, we've done a great job. The kids have done a great job. They really don't give our opponents a choice. So in tournament play, and this is what I've told them, uh, you know, we want to play in the NJAC. We want to win the NJAC. We want to win in the NSA tournament. We want to be that team that you haven't seen before. Um, and that you won't see again. And that's, that's our advantage is we're different. Um, so that, that defensive philosophy is as much about offense as it is defense. Yeah, no, that, that, that makes some sense. I appreciate that, that take, uh, looking down the road a little bit, obviously coming up, you'll play, uh, New Jersey city at home coming up tomorrow, Tuesday, depending on who's listening. 7.30 in the NJAC tournament. You guys are sitting in the third in the last regional rankings. Obviously, we'll get new ones on Tuesday night, appropriately enough. Um, do, do you feel like you guys got some comfort that should the AQ not work, you can still get in? Or do you not even paying attention to it and it's all about making sure to win the title and who cares about the rest? I'm usually a not pay attention to it. I want to win every game, and I think we can. Um, naturally, Jersey City's a, a tough opponent. Uh, we've had some great matchups with them. Um, and then we would probably, you know, Rutgers-Newark, if they hold to their to their rank, we would see them again um, and then see Stockton again in the finals. That would certainly be the week we want to have. Um, I think just based on, you know, again, we, we kind of have that chip on our shoulder because we do feel like we lost two games that we – wouldn't have lost and then we might be in a different position on the 
on the national stage. But, you know, my mentality has always been you got a game in front of you and that's the most important you're going to game you're going to play. And it's the most important game of your life. Go out and do it and let the results take care of themselves. And I think if our kids do that, um, you know, we'll have an we'll have an opportunity. But certainly I don't think we're safe by any stretch, uh, even though I think we've done a good job out of conference and on the road. That was a big one. We played a lot of road games. But yeah. No, we, we need to finish out the week, the week and uh, at least get to Saturday and give ourselves a chance, a uh, good chance against Stockton. Switch gears before I let you go. You're in your fourth season overall. Um, I, I'm you're, you're, Listen, you played D1. You, you got NBA. You, you played overseas. You're, you're coaching a Division three program, which we certainly appreciate. And you're in an NJAC conference that, as I was talking to Stockton's head coach, um, earlier this season has changed a lot in terms of coaching. This yeah. conference has evolved a ton. A, did you ever expect to find yourself at a division three institution as head coach with what you've done in your career? And have you almost found the right spot for you? Or honestly, is, is the right spot still to try and be a D one coach? I ask that genuinely because I'm curious. Yeah. Um, the first part of the answer is yeah. Uh, actually, yes. Um, not necessarily that it was Rowan, um, but during my playing career, I knew I wanted to coach and I knew I probably wouldn't be a great assistant coach. So I couldn't be a great assistant coach too long um, <laughs> because I was very, very strong in what I believed about the game sure. and how I wanted to do it differently. Um, I thought there was a way and I still think there's a way. I, You know, my brother's on ESPN two, three, four times a week each night. And so we talk about these things all the time. I just think a lot of what I see, especially at the higher levels of college basketball, just bores me. Um, it's become a very copycat thing. And, you know, the Arkansas Razorbacks of the past and the Oklahoma of the past and, and these high-paced, high-octane, player-owned style of games has whittled away the more salaries have gone up. Um, so I was intent on, like, at least trying to get a job earlier on in my coaching career where I could develop my philosophy and figure out ways to win in a way that didn't bore me, frankly. Um, so we've done a pretty good job of that. We're not boring. I mean, no, you're you not. Say, we're not boring. We, we, we give a fun way to play. And then the second part of that, I don't make any secret about, um, I do want to be a division one coach one day. It's just a matter of finding the right fit. You sure. know, I have five kids. We traveled the globe during my playing <sighs> career. Uh, this is home for me. So this is a, yeah. And, you know, I got uh, my son's a freshman at my alma mater. You know, my daughter's graduating high school. We're not afraid to do anything. My wife and I have been through it all and she's incredible. Uh, we, we've, she's had babies overseas and everything else. So there's not much that can intimidate her here in the States, but you know, to me, a lot of um, guys over the years, like one, I'm at, this is home for me. This is a personal thing. So I know a lot of people in the stands and you know our mission is to to spread basketball happiness we say around here that we want to see people enjoy what we do locally that's that's a value to me and you know the second thing is for me just from a fit perspective i always felt this as a player i you know i i was a different player back then now i might be cool but back then people just thought i was crazy pulling up for three off the dribble in transition <laughs> and you know, I wasn't for everybody overseas. I wasn't for everybody in sure. the States. But I feel that way as a coach. I think um, 
you know, I, I'm not going to take a job where somebody wants to just play it safe. That's just not how we play. Um, you know, my own family wishes we were a little bit more uh, predictable out on the court sometimes, but <laughs> uh, that's part of the method to our madness. I, you, we want to be the team. Nobody wants to play. Um, and we want to be the team where all the players on the other team say, wow, that was, that was fun. Yeah. Right? Both teams say it's fun. So if there's a place that's the right fit for that, you know, I don't mind. That's I have recruits ask me that plenty because I have a different background. Sure. Sure. I'm just honest about it, but I also say I'm not in a rush and you know, a lot of, I've had plenty of people say, uh, my brother says this all the time where they say like, uh, is Joe, is Joe ready to do that? And he, we've gotten to the point where he just says, yeah, if you get, if you know, Joe, it's not that it's, that's more, are they ready for him? He's, he's gonna, he's gonna tell them the truth. He's gonna do it differently. And if yeah. they stink, he's gonna say it. And if we got to make changes, we're going to do it. And Rowan's been a great place for that. Um, and it's personal for me. So I'm really, really thankful where I am. Interesting. A couple jobs in your area open though. Lafayette and you know, Michigan's not in your area, but it might be open soon too. Oh, geez. That was not pretty. That was not pretty at all. Yeah. That wasn't pretty. And, and the excuses later made it worse. Yes. Yeah. It's better to own it. It's better to own it. I agree with I, you. I like some competitive fire any day of the week, but it's a high, it's a high profile. It's a high pressure. Yep. A lot of stuff comes out in that environment. I'll take it. There's a reason I like D3 a lot. Um, oh, you're not kidding. Yeah. You're not kidding. And I, I'll tell you what, that's one other thing in, in praise of D3 that I tell people all the time, you know, I was a pro and the professional environment is a really, really high pressure environment. But when you're getting a paycheck and you're 28 years old, that becomes your normal. Um, but what I often tell people is that at that higher level, at that division one level, all that pressure that goes on a head coach is put on the 18 to 22 year olds and they know it and they feel it. And, you know, it's hard yeah. uh, to really keep that in perspective and enjoy the game the way kids want to enjoy it. There's a lot of division one basketball players who aren't having a lot of fun uh, and yeah. it happens at every level. And I just think it's wrong. So no matter what level I am, I want my kids to have fun playing ball. I want them to win. And uh, that's that's all part of how it's supposed to be. Yeah, don't blame you. I appreciate the insight. By the way, uh, are you not running the triangle after your experience with Phil Jackson because you still don't understand it or it just isn't fun? Well, I always tell people I learned a lot in two months being in L.A. And I knew it well enough uh, <laughs> to make the team at least. <laughs> Uh, but now where I sit, I would say, no, it just takes too much time. We don't right. have time for all that. We're, we're trying to score in 10 to 12 seconds. I don't, I don't have time for all that. No, I don't blame you. I was going to say you knew enough to be dangerous, right? That's right. Yeah, that's right. Hey, Joe, really appreciate the time. Appreciate the insight. Great to chat with you. We should have gotten you on more often. And I apologize for that, but nonetheless, thank you. Uh, as always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuned in? Well, I'd say good luck to all the coaches. I mean, this is to me, this, I tell our players all the time, this is the best time of year. This is fun. Um, it's competitive. Teams are, are at their best. They're going to give you your, their best. Yeah. And uh, I certainly hope we're having a conversation in a couple of weeks. No, well said. Hey, take care of yourself. Enjoy the run. And we'll look forward to talking to you down the road. Sounds good. Thanks, Dave. Absolutely. Joe Crispin joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline out of Rowan. Again, they are 21-4 and four overall, 14-4 and four in conference play. They wrapped it up. They'll play Tuesday against New Jersey City in the NJAC tournament. Of course, you can find all the tournament action on d3hoops.com on our conference tracker. We'll take another break. When we come back, we talk women's basketball with St. Norbert. You're listening to Hoopsville presented by d3hoops.com. Back with more after this. 
why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division Three level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. We've got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division II, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division Three student athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division Three teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. Welcome back to Hoops, everybody. I'm trying to get the picture on. And, and if anyone knows TweetDeck well, the X mark for uh, the picture to delete the picture that you just added and the tweet button... Well, the X replaces the tweet because everything shifts. And I've three times today deleted the picture I spent so much time trying to call up. There we are. We've tweeted the fact that our next guest is ready to come on. Uh, we were talking earlier with Pat about the crazy NACC standings. That was men's basketball. That wasn't women's basketball, though we'll talk about the fun on the women's side. The men, of course, was that insanity that we were talking about. Um, the women's side was actually kind of interesting as well, uh, honestly. 
And so the reason we're talking to our next guest is one, they're a little bit new to it, but two, they got a big win over Wisconsin Lutheran, who at the time was undefeated. And as a result, um, well, there's one less undefeated team in women's basketball. Speaking of which, we'll double check the top 25 at the end of the show. Uh, they started their season, believe it or not, two and four, but since then have only lost three games. They've won five of their last six. They've won uh, nine of their last 11. They might be quietly one of those teams you don't want to be playing in the in any conference tournament and maybe even in the postseason March tournament should they get there. It's St. Norbert, who, of course, as we mentioned, is now in the NAC. And they, again, got that win over Wisconsin Lutheran the other day. 59-56, Wisconsin Lutheran now has a blemish on its record. Joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline to discuss it all with us and humor me in the meantime, it is Amanda Leonard uh, Perry, the St. Norbert women's basketball coach. Coach, thanks for taking the time. Appreciate you joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is awesome. I appreciate it. Um, First and foremost, uh, listen, if you and I were deciding to talk in December, I probably would be getting a very different coach on the line. Uh, again, as we mentioned, you lost four of your first six. You then got on a nice winning streak. You won six in a row before losing to Wisconsin Lutheran the first time, and then got another four in a row, but then lost two of three. We'll talk all about it. But I have a feeling that coach in December would be talking a little bit differently than the coach we have on the line today. You guys seem to have found whatever is working, and it's working well. Yeah, we hope so. You know, we're we're definitely a different team now than we were, you know, early December as well. I mean, COVID last year without us being able to compete you know, that was tough on our kids. And we went 600 plus days, whatever, between games, you know, end of 2020 to, to this year. And I didn't realize how much it would affect our kids not being in a competitive environment. But, you know, we played our first non-conference game in November and afterwards they actually used the word shell-shocked. They were just so, they just weren't used to it. You know, they weren't being used to being in that environment and you try to put them in those situations and practice and things, but it's, it's not the same. So we kind of had to you know, we took a while to find our footing, but, you know, they, they stuck with it, and I'm glad they did. Yeah, that's an interesting way of saying that. Um, I, I I know a lot of people were dealing with different circumstances for sure. I just I hadn't heard someone admit that, the, you know, the team may have been back on their heels a little bit. But, and, and we talked with our first coach um, from Greensboro, Heather Macy, about this too. By the way, you got hired right before everything kind of hit or was hitting the fan. Yeah. Uh, by the way, <laughs> welcome to the job. We should mention we got this thing with COVID. Um, so it's not like you've had anything regular either. Uh, this is this has been a bit of a run for your you as well. Yeah, it's definitely been different. It 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 was different, you know, not not being in games and trying to figure out how you structure practices. You know, you you obviously want to get better. Um, you know, we, so we tried to vary it a little bit between practice, individual workout type stuff, shooting stuff, you know, try to make it fun at the same time, but I'm sure it was a grind for our kids, you know, and, and to their credit, they, they never complained, you know, where I could hear them, you know, they never did it in, in my face or anything like that. So they just kind of put their nose to the grindstone and they just kept working at it. You've got a large roster and I realize some of that's probably COVID based and I, we're certainly used to seeing larger rosters, but you know, there's some institutions that's just not possible. So maybe it catches me by surprise to see you've used um, all your 30s, all of your 20s. I think you've used all but a couple of the teens. You've got a couple 40s left. You got all the 50s if you want to use them. So you do yeah, have a, few, a little bit more of them. Yeah, yeah. A- well, you know, you know, you need um, you got to build a practice, and we we try to be effective and efficient in practice, and we try to get after it. We don't take a lot of breaks. Um, you know, and we're gonna play as many people as we can and as many people that demonstrate in, in practice that they should be in the game, we're going to 
find minutes for him. That that's certainly impressive um, because that can't always be said for a large roster unless you're running a system or some type of game plan that allows for a platooning essentially. Um, and statistically, when you look at the team, you certainly have played a lot of players. That's <laughs> no no uh, surprise there. What's made this team click for as big a roster? I'm almost surprised you're a low scoring team. Well, we're we're defensive <laughs> defensive based. You know, we try to hold other teams down, and that's that's kind of our focus. Um, we probably need to get a little better offensively. If that's something I can improve on as a coach, it would be, you know, helping us to score more. Um, you know, but we try to defend we know that, you know, that's going to keep us in a lot of games. If, if shooting is off or the offense isn't clicking, we, you know, that'll keep us in it till the end, hopefully. Um, but yeah, we, we, I think I, you know, credit to the, we have the same team this year that we did last year during the COVID year. We didn't lose, um, anybody between the two years. So that carryover certainly helps as far as us gelling and being able to put things together as a group. When you looked at, I mean, well, let's talk at the stop and I, I'm going to blow this I'm going to get Casey's last name wrong, so I'm going to let you do the honors. Uh, I I can take a stab at a Gearzak. Gerchek. Gerchek, see? I should have just close. Get... Close. No, I wouldn't we've call that heard, close. We've heard it Coach. all. We've heard it all. I had gear. That's about all I had. Uh, I had Casey. I got that right. There you go. Yeah. 12 and a half points a game, seven rebounds a contest, 17 blocks on the season, uh, second on the team in steals. And uh looks like third on the team in assists. It feels like everything, it doesn't everything go through her. I mean, Jessica uh, Boner, Boehner, Boehner, 12.8 points a game. I'll get it right. 4.4 rebounds. But it feels like it's it's it really is Casey, considering all the things she, at least statistically that I'm seeing, brings to the table, including shooting 49% from the floor. Casey's pretty versatile. Casey um, was a transfer kid for us my first year. She had the advantage because she played for a good friend of mine in high school who I played college with. So Casey came out of the system in high school that, you know, we're trying to implement here at St. Norbert. So she kind of had a leg up as far as, you know, knowing what we're doing and and the culture that we want and what we're trying to to get going here. Um, But, you know, on any given night, we've got kids that could lead us. And I think that's what, you know, makes us a balanced team. We don't, we didn't have any players of the week this year in the conference because we don't, you know, we didn't have the statistics, you know, that generate those kind of awards. And I told our kids, that's okay. I said, that means we're balanced and that, you know, we have a lot of people doing a lot of things and I'd rather have it that way, um, you know, than, than have somebody that's, you know, just one person that we've got to rely on where, you know, we can count on a lot of people. If we ever get them all to show up on the same night uh, on top of their game, we might be trouble. That's a fair point. Uh, <laughs> uh, Olivia DeClean, by the way, uh, leads your team in assists. Also, 9.2 points per game. Uh, shoots 42% from floor. One of your big outside threats at 37%. So it, that's obviously not just the Casey show because, look, statistically, right. Olivia brings a lot to the table as well. But you, again, play a lot. Um, quick math, four, five, six, seven, eight. It's called counting. You play eight pretty much every game. You play another four pretty much half the time. So while a big roster, you rely on about what, about seven to 10 players for the most part, but obviously there's got to be players who've got roles. Are those roles ever changing or are they always the same roles? No, I, I, I think roles change a lot, you know, and that's the hard part that we talk about a lot as a team as, you know, that's a hard part sometimes to, to accept a role that maybe, you know, you think you can have more of a role or you can have more of a part in what we're trying to do, but, 
Um, we talk about everyone's role on the team being different, but everyone's value being the same. It, you know, it doesn't matter if you're the leading scorer, leading rebounder, or if, you know, you, you don't see many minutes in the game. And, you know, fortunately we've had people that are able to accept their roles and then kind of grow into new ones. Um, and you can see that with some of our freshmen as, as we go through the year and, and things like that. And, and even Olivia, you know, we had to talk with Olivia about leadership at the beginning of the year. And we got a lot of introverts on our team. We don't have a lot of vocal <laughs> leaders on our team. And it's kind of tough to do when you're out on the court five on five and, you know, you're at the other end of the floor and the coach can't yell the instructions to you. So one of the big things that we've seen, you know, growth with Olivia is, you know, just her leadership and, and her vo vocalization and being, you know, a vocal leader out on the floor. And she's our glue. You know, she makes us go. That's for sure. Tell me a little bit about that win over Wisconsin Lutheran. It was the last game you guys played. It caused you guys to share the conference uh, title with them, I believe, if memory serves. No, it got us a two seed. Oh, right. But it did get you right. It did get you the two Correct. seed. I remember that yeah. part. Thank you. Yeah. Um, oh, right. Oh, hold on. Sorry, I've got a little glitch in our system here for some reason. I'm, I'm pulling up the wrong standing, so I'm going to jump out of that and ignore that and get to it another way. There we go. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay, so they had you by a game and a half. And that's the other quirk here is that, you know, not everybody was able to play every single game that added to some of the mix here. At least you guys got that number two ahead of Benedict. And But how tough was it, you know, well, talk about the game first, then we'll go backwards. What was significant about that win and, and what did you guys accomplish that, that you tried to to get that victory? Yeah, I think, you know, just showing our players, you know, that you can compete in those big level games. You know, we haven't, as a group, we haven't had players that have been in that situation. And I think when we went down to Benedictine, you know, we, we made that out to be, a, as a coaching staff, you know, we made that out to be kind of a, a conference championship level game. And, you know, honestly, I think it freaked our players out a little bit because they hadn't been in that situation. And, and, you know, here we are saying this is like a conference championship, trying to prepare them for hopefully one day when they're actually in that situation. And we just came out flat as heck. Like we were just, that first half was terrible against Benedictine. And I think we learned from that experience and then having another one to be able to compete with Wisconsin Lutheran and kind of that same scenario, you know, we we're fighting for that two seed to get that by in the first round, which was huge. Um, you know, that was something that we were really trying to strive for. And we just came out, that was the best first quarter we played all year. Our kids just came out and they were sharp and they were focused and they were ready to go. And I think we caught them on their heels a little bit, you know, it's different, you know, yes, we played them close the first game down at Wisconsin Lutheran, but until, until you get over that hump and you beat those good teams, you know, there's always a little nagging doubt in the back of your mind of, can we really do this? It's a 14-team conference. <laughs> we just broke up the USA South, which was, I think, at 19. Not that I'm saying I want you guys to break up, but what I'm trying to say is how tough is it, especially not divisioned, to essentially get the – be well, I mean, not beat each other up and not get – not bored is the wrong word, but it's the only one in my head, but bored of the constant conference you know, games. It, how do you keep everybody kind of on on task when knowing it's a grind of a of a conference schedule? Yeah, and it, you know I think any season you hit that February mark and you know your your players kind of hit the wall and you got to find different ways to kind of keep them fresh and keep them renewed. Um, and it's tough in a conference like this because you don't. Not everybody's playing the same schedule. Right. That's the hardest part. You know, you're not playing equal schedules. You're not playing the same competition. So it's it's tough for 
you know, your players to kind of maintain that, that high level of, of focus and, you know, attentiveness at times, just because, you know, they're just, it's like you said, it's just kind of one after another, you just, you know, you go from one conference game to the next and it kind of all blends together, but, you know, whether it's shortening practices or, or making them, you know, everything about your practice competitive, those are some things that we've used. Um, our kids have been great this last week and a half. They've had theme days every day, whether it's colors, whether it's, you know, we had a couple of different, we had a hat day. They were, they were wearing their hats during practice, which <laughs> at this time of the year, whatever it takes to keep them loose, you know, I'm in. Yeah. I'm curious, listen again, second season, but from what I can tell in the resume, not a lot of D3 experience. You come from Wisconsin, Green Bay, where you played. You obviously had a, a I shouldn't say obvious, in case anybody doesn't know. Um, <laughs> you also were an assistant coach at North, uh, North Dakota State for three seasons. Um, I think you also, did you not coach at Green Bay for a bit as well? I did. As an, as, I was an assistant at yeah, Green Bay for there we are. 11 years um, before I did this job. Obviously, a lot of higher division not necessarily better. We don't believe that way on this show. Uh, how's your transition been to Division Three? What enticed you to come? And as we asked Heather Macy early on, though she had a, had played in D3, what's been your biggest surprise about the division? Yeah, I think, you know, the, the transition's really been easy. Um, there's a lot of similarities between St. Norbert and UW-Green Bay where I was at just not only in size, but in kind of how they operate, you know, it's a family community feel green Bay is a smaller division one, you know, so there's a lot of things at green Bay that you don't deal with, you know, when versus being at a power five school or something like that. Um, so that part of the transition was really easy. And then being in the area so long, you know, I'm pretty familiar with St. Norbert and, you know, what coach Tilly and, and her programs did here for, for so long. Um, and that was part of what enticed me about the job is just knowing the resources they had, the tradition they had, um, that I, you know, in my mind, it would be an easier tradition. And for me, it's not necessarily about the level I'm at, you know, my, my family loves this area We're we're pretty settled here, but you know, it was a good program and it was a good job. And it gave me an opportunity to, you know, run my own team and have my own team and, you know, incorporate some of my own ideas into things. And, you know, you learn things at every stop that you're at good, bad, or indifferent. Um, and I took a lot of good from, from the places I was at and, you know, I'm trying to bring that to, to St. Norbert women's basketball. You know, I, I think, um, I guess I don't know what the biggest surprise was. I think for me, just adjusting to, you know, there's more for these athletes, there's more of a balance of their time, you know, versus division one. I mean, you have scholarship kids. I mean, they're that's what they're there for. You know, they're there to play ball or to do their, their sport. And here, you know, our kids are involved in a lot of things, you know, they're involved in things outside of basketball, whether it's clubs, whether it's theater, whether it's leadership groups, you know, they have more on their plate than just the sports and, and the academics. So it's, that was a little bit of adjustment, just kind of that time commitment thing on, on their part, but it, it's been really good. I listen, I, should have mentioned this at the beginning. I, I grew up in Chicago. I'm I'm a Bears fan. I'm a little freaked out. Green Bay, you all seem to think green is what all of you should be. St. Norbert's colors eerily similar to the Packers. I did double check Wisconsin Green Bay. It's green, different green. Little different. Little different, but it's green. Gold. Yep. Is, is the indoctrination that strong? 
up up there i'm i'm cons- <laughs> I'm, I'm honestly concerned I'm, I'm i'm concerned i mean listen i know the bears aren't much they're not playing for anything that's fine i'm I'll take my lumps there, but I'm more concerned for your own health and safety, really. Yeah, and it's funny because every, other than my personal high school that I played for, every stop I've been at has been green. So I, I'm not sure if it's something personal with me, but you know, everybody in the area. I mean, you you live up here, and you know, unless you're a diehard Bears fan or a diehard Packers fan, you just you are a or a, excuse me, a Vikings fan. You are a Packers fan because you live here by default. Right. Um, you know, in St. Norbert, up until COVID, we would host the Packers training camp on campus. Yeah. They would stay on campus. They would eat on campus. Um, you know, and I think Green Bay actually way back when, you know, when UW Green Bay was established, they had a, a agreement with the Packers not to have a football team. Like, so the Packers, you know, in St. Norbert were the only football I think team. I did in, hear in that. Yeah. So, you know, unless you're a diehard for somebody else, you, you kind of are Packers by default. That's, I, I feel I'm bad sorry. for you all. <laughs> Just seems like uh, just too bad. And the expectations are so high and never lived up to. Yeah. I mean, at least with Bears fans, we don't have expectations. Yeah. We're just going to stink. (laughs) Uh, um, I appreciate you having a little laugh. Uh, It is interesting, though. The colors just jumped out at me when I was kind of looking at things. Uh, As a red-green colorblind guy, though, it's kind of ironic that that's what jumped out at me. I, I know you guys are having fun. Obviously, it's a great season. You got Rockford ahead of you coming up on Wednesday um, in the conference tournament. Obviously, it's win to get into the tournament. I realize that. That's the goal. Does that come with pressure? You were talking about the team being shell-shocked. Is that now pressure for them, or is it at this point, heck, we've seen it all, whatever? I think they've grown throughout the year, and I think throughout the year, you know, as we've gone along and they've experienced a little bit of success, they've they've kind of realized, like, yeah, we can, you know, we can be in this mix, we can be in this conversation, um, you know. But at this point, everybody's, you know, zero and zero. And any given night, anybody can beat anybody. And and I think in this league, you know, I think that can hold true, you know, during the regular season as well. But I think our kids have. Kind of bought into the fact of you know initially our goal at the beginning of the year we didn't know what to expect so our goal was get into the conference tournament you know and at that time it was the top six you know so our goal was to be top six and then obviously with covid things things shifted and you know they went to the all-inclusive um conference tournament and you know we still established our goal we still made it top six but so our, i think our kids are I hope they're prepared. You know, you have to trust your preparation. You have to trust your teammates and you just got to go out and play. Listen, I'm all about the all-inclusive. Uh, you, you won't get a complaint from me. I love that. But man, 14 teams, buckle up uh, is, is all I can really say about that. Um, I'm quickly checking the NACC. Oh yeah, that that was that large, large, large um system that we put together looking forward to seeing how that all plays out by the way yeah. wisconsin lutheran's also green you guys are sick um i think it's because you don't see that would be an r- interesting study wisconsin schools throughout to see how many what the percentage is of I green. Think the state schools are about the only ones i can get to that aren't green but even they're dark colored yeah i mean oshkosh is black and yellow i'm you got the yellow going on. Yeah. Well, we'll maybe study that sometime if I'm really bored during the NFL season. Uh, hey, Coach. You got really... time. Do it during the playoffs. <laughs> there we go. Right. Exactly. Well, <laughs> being in Baltimore, sometimes we're a little busy too. So, yeah. You got that. Not always. Anyway, it's starting to hurt a little. Uh, I'll let you go. Appreciate the time. Uh, fascinating chat. Thanks for the for that. Good luck to your team, obviously. Um, uh, keep Coach 
Uh, keep keep your men's coach. Keep Gary keep Gary in line for me if you don't That's mind. Right. I haven't been able to uh, since COVID. So if you could just tell him Dave said hi and to be good, behave himself. <laughs> I know he just got a big win milestone, but you know we'll let that go for now. Yeah. Um, but we have a tradition on the show. We always give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with those who might be tuned in? Just good. Good luck to everybody. Enjoy it. You know, it's it's about the journey and and part of your journey. Everybody wants to get to this time of the year, so enjoy it. Have fun and and go play hard. Well, congratulations again. Tremendous season. Obviously, the finish is terrific, and we're looking forward to seeing how it plays out. And uh, look forward to catching up with you down the road as well. Thanks. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Take care, Amanda yeah. Leonard Perry. On the oh, you know what? Yeah, Leonard. Sorry, I saw something on my screen that didn't look right, but we'll get to it later. I may have misspelled her on the graphic uh i did i swapped the h and the n how did i do that that's a new one i've never seen that one she's literally she just heard that too l-e-o-h-n-a-r-d it must be the green bay i must have been subconsciously trying to foul that all up (laughs) we're gonna take a break when we come back we wrap up the show you listen to hoops presented by d3hoops.com back with more after this It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To To stop stop sexual sexual assault. assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. There are over 480,000 college athletes. Only 2% will go pro. That means over 470,000 will not get a shoe contract. No autographs. No private jets. No fan clubs. No Hall of Fame inductions. Instead, they will walk away with something much more valuable. Welcome back to Hoopsville. I want to thank our partners at the NABC, the National Association of Basketball Coaches. Works to further the best interests of the game of basketball, the coaches, and players who participate in the sport. The NABC thanks its nearly 5,000 member coaches, including the many Division Three coaches who impact our game for upholding the core values of leadership, advocacy, service, education, and inclusion. For more information on the NABC, make sure to check out their website, nabc.com, or sorry, .org. Welcome back as we wrap up the show. Howard Herman, a writer up in uh, New England, talking about um, Glenn Miller on the show. Um, 
talks about how Con College, when he was a coach, was a power in the NESCAC then. I jokingly just retweet or tweeted back. Not how he told the story. <laughs> if you got questions for us, you can try and email us to us quickly. Hoopsville at D3Sports.com. That's Hoopsville at D3Sports.com. Uh, you can also tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Or you can join us on YouTube. Maybe you're on YouTube, youtube.com slash Hoopsville. Or you're on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. And BJ, um, thank you so much. Appreciate you tuning in. Um, <laughs> she cut, she tuned in for the important one, the, uh, bears versus Packer conversation. Um, all right. So a reminder of how things go here. So tomorrow, so Tuesday, we'll get our, our third and final regional rankings before NCA selections. We'll get regional rankings after the fact. We'll of course try and work and glean them for Sunday's show, but we'll get them after, but the last public regional rankings before um selections are made for the men will come out on tuesday women's will come out on wednesday we'll be on the air thursday at seven o'clock eastern time to kind of react to those and start prognosticating already talk to some other guests etc uh obviously lots of games uh go to d3hoops.com we've got our scoreboard up all the time we also have the conference tracker up all the time lots of ways to get information from us and we will keep you abreast to everything that is going on. Speaking of which, we'll double check on scores here in a moment. The conference trackers are rotating in the top story section, so you'll be able to find uh, stuff there and keep track of things there. Then um, Sunday, we will hit the air. Follow us on Twitter for the exact time. I'm toying with starting at 5, but we may start at 6, which we've done in the past. We will do women's selections and then men's selections, unless we decide otherwise. The guys will then take the information behind the scenes and make our mock brackets, but mock selections will answer your questions. We may even hear from the committee uh, chairs. If we can arrange it with them, just a quick reminder of how this all works. And then we'll also hear from other guests along the way, because some of the mock selections we'll do, we'll run an interview while we're working behind the scenes on all of that. Uh, then Monday, the brackets a week from tonight, if you're watching us live. So February 28th, the brackets are announced. I believe it's 12.30 Eastern time for women, 2.30 Eastern time for men, I believe. I might have that backwards, but I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Uh, I will be on that show along with Brendan Gulick. Looking forward to that. Then Monday night at 7 o'clock, we will have our recap show, kind of looking at the brackets that came out and all that goes with that. Um, again, you can tweet us at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville for all of that. Uh, you can email us at d3sports.com, whatever works for you. Reminder, the men's top 25 did get did come out right at the top of the show. The women's top 25 is coming up, but I'm told basically not much changed, except that Catholic dropped out with its two losses, and Ithaca went into the top 25. But we'll get a, a load of that officially a little bit later. Um, Double-checking scores right now from around Division Three. Uh, John Carroll and Wilmington are in a good battle midway through the second half, late in the second half, I should say, with Wilmington leading. Mitchell upset, or not an upset, I guess upset, Eastern Nazarene in their tournament. Uh, Southern Maine got past Castleton. Piedmont, we mentioned that one earlier. This is the men's scores all over Mississippi women. Uh, Keystone beat St. Elizabeth. Oh, Lebanon Valley defeated York in men's basketball, 73-65. That was in the MAC Commonwealth. That was uh, at York. That was expected to be a York uh, advantage, but Val came out with a victory there. Gordon got past Curry. Uh, Wentworth passed New England. 
University of New England. We talked about that game earlier by 20. Hamden Sydney got past Shenandoah 86-71. Bridgewater passed Eastern Mennonite 85-74. Uh, Ohio Northern and Muskegon went to overtime. Ohio Northern got the win. Kings defeated FDU Florham, and Newman defeated Marywood. Uh, That's what we got so far. Oh, Grove City over St. Vincent, and Gwen and Mercy over Centenary. That can't be a final. That says 36-35. All right, you're now enjoying this in real time as I go look up this score. That that has to be a mispunched score. Um, well, it hasn't come in yet. Checking live. That was a halftime score. (laughs) That game is not final. That was a halftime score. That game is still going on. 622 left to go in that. uh, Gwen and Mercy leads um, Centenary 54-51. So we'll fix that in a bit. On the women's side of things, Eau Claire is up on River Falls pretty easily. End of the third quarter. Halftime, Oshkosh is up on Lacrosse by 12. Wilson defeated Brennanthan. Western Con defeated Plymouth State. DelVal defeated FDU Florham. So Gordon Mann's got a little bit more, I think, to broadcast. I'm not positive. Oh, maybe DelVal's on the road for that. Wilmington defeated Capital. Gwen and Mercy snuck past Newman. Notre Dame beat Karen. By the way, Notre Dame out of Maryland's having a sneaky good year this year. They are 14 and 9, 13 and 5 in conference play. They have won their last six straight and 11 of their last 12. Kalen Wynn's got something going on there in Baltimore. They got Keystone ahead of them on Wednesday. They finished second in the conference behind Clark Summit. That's a conference I've been wanting to talk about, just haven't found the right time to get Clark Summit on. But at this point, Keystone are a Notre Dame might be the surprise in that conference. Uh, Western New England defeated Curry by 20, Nichols over Wentworth by 10, Muskegon over Heidelberg, and Geneva over Franciscan. So not a lot of upsets so far tonight, but that's what we do. We keep track of all that. Don't forget the conference trackers and all that. We'll keep you abreast of much of that as well. Um, Checking to see if there was any questions that we may have missed. Otherwise, we're going to wrap things up here. Appreciate you all tuning in again. Thursday, we'll be back on the air at 7 o'clock Eastern time, but a lot to talk about and deal with in between. So make sure you log on to d3hoops.com. Follow us on Twitter at d3hoops and at d3hoopsville. Those are our two main um, Twitter accounts. Ryan Scott is at Ryan Allen Scott, if you're looking him up. Uh, Use the hashtag d3hoops. Use the hashtag hoopsville for the show. And uh, there you go. I want to thank all of our guests who appeared on the show today. Really appreciate it. Um, From Greensboro, Heather Macy. From St. Joseph's, Glenn Miller. Uh, From Rowan, Joe Crispin. And from St. Norbert, Amanda Leonard Perry. Also want to thank Pat Coleman from D3 Hoops coming on. want to thank the SIDs as well for their help. Scott at at Greensboro. Joe at St. Joseph's. uh, Marie at Rowan. And Dan at uh, St. Norbert. And I do apologize for somehow screwing up Amanda's Last name spelling-wise, L-E-H-N-A-R-D. It's a, it's a new spelling. I'm going to copyright it. Uh, and that's going to do it for us. We're going to sign off, and we'll see you back here on Thursday night. I want to thank our, our partners, D3Hoops.com, for their all their help. And, of course, the National Association of Basketball Coaches. Of course, the Women's Basketball Coaches Association as well, and Blue Frame Technology and their Team One Sports app. If you're looking for great software to broadcast your games, production truck software from Blue Frame Technology should be one of your top choices to look into. Give them a call. Let them know I sent them sent you their way. Of course, they also help you stream through Team One Sports, which you can get 
uh, games uh, broadcast on their Team One Sports app, which is available on Amazon Fire, Android TV, uh, Roku, and I'm forgetting Apple TV. You can watch the games. You can even watch Hoopsville on your big screen. That'll do it for us. We'll see you back here on Thursday. You've been listening to Hoopsville. If you want to talk Division Three basketball, you've got to listen to Hoopsville. We'll see you back here Thursday night. Good night, everybody.